0: man on Atravac used to tell us tale of the dangers of traveling far of hunting alone on the ice how one might no longer know what was a podcast
1: what what are you referencing
0: real I don't know it's apparently in the movie I
1: mostly just wanted to is tra- Brosnan saying that yes or is it Count Chocula? yeah did Brosnan age 80 years Here's in your, the uh... I
0: can only do an impression of old Brosnan
1: aha uh-huh. So you're trying to do old French Brosnan. Well, I was trying to age it down, and I was failing in real time. I understand. Right. You're giving me old. You're giving me Brosnan now in this
0: movie. It's hard to do. Yeah, I'm doing Dr. Fate with a French accent. It's hard to do uh, an impression of someone who already has a strong accent applying a bad accent on top of it. It's a little bit like the Nick Nolte, Lorenzo's Oil thing, where it's like two voices clashing against each other. Nope. Every line reading he has, he simultaneously sounds Irish and French, like it's coming out of two different speakers,
1: right? With Nolte, he sells his accents through pure bravado. Mamma mia, what a pizza pie. Like, <laughs> that's a spicy You're like, ball. this man is not embarrassed, right? Yes. Like, this man is, this is how he's going to speak to us today. Pierce, you can feel the embarrassment when he's out of his comfort
0: zone. Much like, but... It's but a but thing that's really endearing him. about him.
1: Yes, that's why in a- in Mamma Mia, yes, when he's singing an S he's singing S- he doesn't really sing. Why are Yes, because I th- I compare it to Russell Crowe in La- Les Miserables. Yeah, where Russell Crowe is actually a singer. Now, is he the best singer in the world? No, but that man performs in a band. Like, he but that makes it worse. Nominally enjoys it, but then he seems so uncomfortable in that yes. movie. It doesn't make any sense. Pierce, you feel... Probably because it's the live singing gimmick. If Russell Crowe had been allowed to not sing live... Yes. That might be a better performance. That should have single-handedly swung the issue on that movie to maybe some numbers are done live. No. Never. Never. Tom Hooper's All or Nothing. Tom okay. Hooper is All or Nothing. When I interviewed him about cats, he was like, absolutely, I would never, like, they must sing live. Right. Well, the fragility, the fragility you get on set. The fragility. But he's also like, the thing he said was like, people do that on stage every night. Of course. And I'm like, right. but you If know, you want to only hire
2: those, those people. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. Uh, but um, Also, David, think about it this way. Previously in a movie musical, you'd go, what have I done? Sweet Jesus, what have I done? Right. Come a thief in the night, become a dog in the run. But with this, you can stop and go, what have I done?
1: So we're sweet Jesus! We're mocking the new or what? Whatever it was called. First look, first regal, Les first Mis. look, is to kick off a new mini series about John McTiernan, on John McTiernan, not Tom Hooper, about a movie that features none of these
0: actors. No, but well, it does feature Pierce Brown: We built a bridge to Pierce. This is this is we will never have a piercier run than we have had these last four months on the podcast. We did four Bonds, Mirror Has Two Faces, and McTiernan's giving us two Pierce's.
1: We've covered him once before. Mars Attacks. We will cover him again. We will. In this miniseries. That's what I'm saying. But after that, how many times might we get back to Pierce? Eight
0: Pierce movies. Seven of them have been in the last four months. We could do Chris Columbus. We could. Drive-by fruiting. Drive-by fruiting. Ben, drive-by fruiting.
1: Thumbs up, but also Mrs. Doubtfire. He's a Mrs. Doubtfire. Her
0: brand. famous quote: "What's oh her? Oh
1: my God! Yes, of course. One of the most quotable films of all <laughs> and time. And what is that quote? Of course, that rings around <laughs> in her head? Well, it's. It's a little something like a little this. Something. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello.
2: hello. Uh,
1: Ben's very sleepy today. Um, I don't. He's in a bit of a nomad sort
0: of trance state where. Is he here? Is I'm he not sure <laughs> experiencing someone
1: else who was I, here? Okay, I think we could one day do a Patreon series on like you're looking at the rest of Pierce's career, correct? Like who, on who like could be covered early yeah. '90s cyberspace movies, right? Because like Lawnmower Man, Virtuosity. King? Oh sure. Oh, we could do a like. A, but isn't that one of those things for Stephen King's? Like, stop saying I'm associated with yeah. this one. This one isn't me at all, my right. friend. The
0: only similarity is that it has a lawnmower <laughs> in it.
1: <laughs> My guy didn't go to the fucking cyberspace. No. His book is
0: about a guy who thinks he's like a satyr, right?
1: S-A-T-Y-R-E. Yeah. They took that story and then they merged it with an original screenplay called Cyber God. Right, and just and use the title. And they picked Cyber God to not be the title. Yes. We, the Lawnmower Man or Cyber God? It's What's drawing people terrible to theaters? title for that they movie. They pick The Lawnmower Man because they figure, well, we can slap Stephen King's name on this. Call it Cyber God. So they make Jeff Fahey a Lawnmower Man in that
0: movie, but that's not what the book is about at all. So we could do Lawnmower Man. Uh-huh, Virtuosity.
1: virtuosity Johnny, Johnny M- Mnemonic. Yeah, Ben's favorite. Um, those are all my favorite, fun, yeah. Maybe like
2: I think those the, are the net.
1: Could we do the net? The net hackers. Yeah, I want movies where you computer see movies. You want cyberspace. inside the computer? So okay. like definitely the first three we just said. I forget yeah. if the net does any of that. Disclosure does technically do does. it. No, the net is more like oh no, I ordered a pizza and they're after me. Yeah, the net's are true now, right? That's the whole thing. Yes. Everyone laughed at the time because it was risible and now everyone's like, that basically predicted like online, you know, surveillance. You order yeah. a fucking pizza and the cops will arrest you. Correct. I think that's it. I think so too. I Just don't like think there's any other... Pips. I guess we could do John Borman one day. Sure. It's like year 14. Yeah. We do Borman. Do you know in like year two of the this podcast show... is?
0: What on mic we promised if we ever got to year 10 we would do tom Shadyac, and we are 1 year away from that now
1: did we really yeah cuz we did, what what we made, were like what a what a ridiculous amount of years to be doing this
0: there's no chance we're doing this show af- after a decade and this okay. is you're listening to year 9 of blank check <laughs> and next year perhaps we are forced by our own golden handcuffs that we've assigned ourselves now, to cover Tom Shadyac. I got It's ask, nine movies.
1: Who's Tom
0: Shadyac? Okay. great question. Here we back. go, Ben. I'll run Let it down for you. Let me just say quickly, you. this is Blank Check with Thank Griffin you. David, a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy patch and projects they want, and sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce. Baby, this is the beginning blah, 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 of a new series. It's the films of John McTiernan, one of the only filmmakers to go to movie jail and federal prison... <laughs> I will never stop making that joke. I love that joke. It's called Pod Hard with Avenge Cast. Yep. That's right. We decided on that ages ago. It's one we've been threatening to do since the beginning, and we had to get him done before Tom Shadyak with his killer run of nine films. Uh, so
1: his nine films are Ben. Get ready to Vince McMahon Get ready. You're going to really real be feeling it at the start of this run. And then you're going <laughs> to... I think you're going to then you're going to feel... jump out of the roller coaster before it ends. You're going to feel the twists and turns of this. Now, we're ignoring his uh, TV film, Frankenstein, The College Years, although that could, of course, be a Patreon It episode. sounds good. And Ben, just, you have no idea who he is.
0: Do you have any guess of where this philography is going to go? Just off the name.
1: Uh, what, you said Frankenstein went to college? Uh, that seems to be a TV movie he started out with in 1991. Okay, I, I, I could not predict off okay. of that okay. alone. What's next? Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, oh! First TV movie! <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Oh. No problems with that movie. Uh, number two... The Nutty Professor with Eddie Murphy. Huh. Okay. Two huge hits in a row. Yeah. Number Those three. Are fucking huge movie. Number three. What if you couldn't lie? Liar, liar, starring Jim Carrey. Humongous. <laughs> the guy's three for free. He's like
0: the biggest comedy director in Hollywood. We're
1: never going to have problems. Number four, Patch Adams. Hong Kong. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Number five. That was him. Now,
0: now, let's mix the laughter with a few tears. Tom Shadiak goes serious. Number it makes five. a stupid amount of money, it but does. everyone
1: agrees it's dog like shit. It's the sucks. movie that isn't frequency, Dragon Dragonfly. Fly. It's the other one. Yes. It's sort of like frequency, right? Kevin frequency. Costner talking to the great
0: beyond. He's going yes. even more
1: serious. Okay. Not a movie people like. No. But don't worry, because next Bums. movie, we're all back. Bruce Almighty.
2: Humongous.
1: Huge hit. Maybe King the movie's the not that good, and but everyone's hey. like, Tom,
0: thank you for Return to Comedies. You're the biggest comedy director you cannot miss.
1: Okay, I'm going to make a sequel then. Evan Almighty. One of the biggest flops in Hollywood history. Steve Carell. <laughs> yeah,
2: I remember, remember that, that one. He, I remember that.
1: Kind of A
0: movie that cost $200 million inexplicably. Yes. Well, it had all these animals in it. It had the animals. It also built an arc, I think. Yes. And in 2007, they were like, we're going to be the first carbon neutral production. They tried to get ahead of that. And it cost so much fucking money. Then yeah. he has a bicycle accident. Yes. Uh, he doesn't die, but he is
1: injured, I guess. And
0: Evan Almighty kind of ruins his reputation where it's like this guy got out of control. The budget got out of control. He was an egomaniac. And then when the movie bombed, he blamed the studio
1: for mismarketing it. Uh, He had like a a sort of post-concussive problem. So then he makes a movie called I Am. He gives up a documentary. All
0: his earthly belongings. I believe he moves into a trailer and is like, I reject
1: this life of Hollywood bullshit. He isolates himself from society completely and then makes a movie about it. Uh, And makes a movie about like where he talks to like Desmond Tutu and like Noam Chomsky being like, what's it all about, man? I'm trying to get back to the real
0: human experience.
1: What a great way to return to the earth. A movie no one cares about. By yeah. making a documentary about your life. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then five years ago, uh, Brian Banks. Oh, The right. movie where Aldous Hodge plays a real-life football player who oh, was forgot that. wrongly convicted. And yes. was like charged with like sexual assault. It's kind of like a weird story. Never yes. seen it. Uh, anyway, God, that's a real bummer.
0: That's a bummer. Maybe we uh, combine those two movies. There's a New Yorker <laughs> article about him post-bicycle accident and his like resetting of his life where it was like the studios were still pitching him all of these big movies. And he was like, I will sign on to do the incredible Mr. Limpet remake if 45 minutes can be devoted to a very detailed accounting of how we are destroying water life. And the studios were like, no, fuck off. And he kept on being like, I'm ready to make a comedy again. I think comedy is the greatest gift we have to give to each other as people. I just need to say something in it.
1: Shady act. So we could do that, but we could, we'll see. Because look, I was just thinking about Doctor Who, right? Mm -hmm. Doctor Who canonically can transform his body. The Doctor. The Doctor. The Doctor. He can, do- he can transform his body 12 times. They say this in an early episode. Sure. He regenerates. He turns into a new actor. This is how they recast the role. Right. And they were like, we'll never have exactly. to. When they picked that number, they were like, well, we're never going to do
0: 12 yeah. doctors. Like, best like, case scenario, know. this show runs for exactly 50 years
1: and no longer. <laughs> and so they had to do a thing at a certain point where like someone had to be like, can I have twelve more regenerations? And yeah. they're like, yes. You know, they had to like address this. So, so you we know may what? have to address. So let's do this housekeeping.
0: We are and more
1: years. We are committing. And Tom
0: Shadiak <laughs> will happen in year twenty. Yes. And there are no further mulligans allowed. But now, today, we officially begin a director that we've been thrilled to talk about for so long. Come close to doing a couple times, and finally, we went just fuck it. Let's just have fun. Let's talk McTiernan. It's a new year. It's a new year. We start out with a Little Babs, followed by a Big Heap and a McTiernan. One yep. of the
1: wildest uh, careers. Tell me, Griffin, yes. what do you know about American filmmaker John McTiernan? And it better not be that he was born in 1951, because I already knew that.
2: Oh, fuck.
1: oh, my God. You're in trouble. Um, he, Where was he born? He was born in upstate New York? Albany Hell yeah New York's capital What do you think Ben Of, of Albany, Albany. You been there Um Maybe I've been there And let me tell you what else I've caught a bus out of Albany And that Is a hair raising experience folks But John McTiernan Was the son of Myra And John McTiernan oh. He's a junior Ben have you ever seen What John McTiernan
0: looks like
2: I don't believe I have. Give
0: him a Google. I would say he looks like the owner of a bar you do not
1: want to go into. Yeah, he's got kind of like a grizzled thing. Like, here's like classic McTiernan Benny, you know, and here he is now. Here he is now, you know, kind of grizzled fella. But he's one of
0: those guys where even the photos where he's smiling, they're somehow even more intimidating than the photos where he's clowering.
1: He definitely looks like he could have a dirty rag tied to his belt. (laughs) You know what I mean? hundred percent. Yes. Look, he's a director who was hugely important, obviously, mm. in the 80s and especially in the 90s. He's a well-known action director, but certainly not someone who ever sniffed like Oscar or awards no. contention. Not a guy whose movies opened at a film festival. Kind of aggressively unpretentious yes. while
0: being an intellectual, but being was just like... An intellectual yeah. and right caring about the craft of a genre film. Right. And kind of a throwback more to like a a peck and paw. Yes. Right. Where it's like, I take my movies very seriously. I have very serious craft. I'm not trying to win fucking Oscars. That's not what
1: this is about. And obviously had his, I think had people who were genuinely like, this is a great uh, filmmaker. And then it's not like contemporaneously he was ignored. No. And people figured it out later. But still, but like maybe look, has never gotten enough flowers. Compared to someone like know. Tom Shady,
0: okay, who after three hit comedies was like Patch Adams. You know, that's, that's a common arc if someone is working at the highest levels of popular cinema is after a couple movies they're like, I demand to be taken seriously. I demand it. Whether I need Oscar consideration or I need to make like an, a small artsy one for myself to get the critics on board... McTiernan was a guy who would like he he had the lane he wanted to work in, and and in a lot of ways it embodies like he is a filmmaker whose career really embodies the sort of arc of '80s cinema building up to the excess of '90s Hollywood and the fallout of that in the early 2000s. Now, yes,
1: John McTiernan, mm-hmm. um. We've done a lot of directors of late. Barbara mm-hmm. Streisand, David Fincher, mm-hmm. even Park Chenwook, certainly Buster Keaton. Yes. Where our researcher, J.J. Birch, has had piles of books, yep. autobiographies. Yep, 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 yep. Chunky interviews, you know, retrospectives to dig through. John McTiernan's more the kind of guy where you load the Wikipedia page... Yeah, Die Hard, Predator, these things are well... Sure. A lot of his movies are like, John McTiernan appeared to make this movie about, you know, a year before it came out, and uh, and that seems to be the story on this one. This film was made and then released.
0: People (laughs) saw it and had varying opinions on
1: it. Again, like the man made, uh, you know, Predator, uh, Die Hard, and Red October. Those are well-discussed movies. He made two famous bombs, Last Action Hero and The 13th Warrior. Sure. There's discussions of those. He made Die Hard with a Vengeance. That's a famous sequel. Most of his movies are so big... And and the
0: man is, is not press shy, right? Like, he will show up. He'll do retrospective right. interviews. He'll he's not like, I won't tell you what uh, it's throw about. He'll throw up quotes on stuff. But he's very much a guy where it's like, there is no shortage of reporting on the development, creation, production, response but it's studio-side.
1: It's stars. Even if yes. he has quotes, it's a hard man to get, like, his biography figured out. What do out. you want out of this career, John McTiernan? Right. And he's like, I want to go to jail, of course. <laughs> no, he did. he did go to jail, which we will talk about later. But today... Yes. We're talking about his first film, an auteurist project called Nomads. His only writing credit. Written and directed by John McTiernan. A 1986, I see it written here as horror film. In my opinion, that is a stretch. I would agree. It's a thriller. Yeah. It's a sort of, you know, thriller that gets your heart rate up to like you're walking on the treadmill. But yes, it's going for thriller. It's supernatural
2: is it kind of, it's it's saying it
0: is can i talk about my arc of awareness with this <laughs> but movie? it's like
1: supernatural in a way of like what if people had a weird vibe i'm like what if it's like what if i told you that spirits in them and i'm like what did that do gave them a weird vibe anyway i'll see you later my arc of relationship to this movie
0: this man's second film is predator yeah and his third film was Die Hard, and his fourth film was hunt for red october right and I was just like, man, this guy blasts out of a cannon. If his first movie was notable in any way, people would talk about it. Yeah. Because it certainly and it didn't stars take...
1: stars an actor
0: people know. This like, guy like yeah. basically started hitting perfection from the second movie on, right? Yes. And films that are so complicated, towering, have lasted, are like seminal movie star texts. Right. Where I'm like, this first movie no one talks about. Maybe it's like a weird little hidden gem, but it has to be some kind of minor thing. And I just never really looked at or thought about it or had any sort of cultural compulsion to watch it outside of just like someday I want to have seen every John McTiernan movie. I'll watch it someday. Yes, And so I just never really looked into it and was just like, all I know is it's called Nomads and it stars Pierce Brosnan. And maybe there was some conflation in my mind with 13th Warrior. But I was like, this is some like flesh and blood style epic this is a, a, a swords and, uh, and uh, loincloth movie, you know? I was like, this has to be some tribal period piece action film. Makes sense. Right. We commit to doing this. Mm-hmm. For the first time, I'm like, time to order a Blu-ray of Nomads. I look at the poster. I'm like, fuck, it's Pierce Brosnan in like a leather jacket being hunted by ghosts? Exactly. Is Looks this movie awesome. going to fucking rule? Looks awesome. I was like dreading it when I was like, oh, he made some sort of like somber sort of, like, epic...
1: Viking thing
0: or something. And then I'm like, oh, this is like... Nomads is even a cool title. And then I put this thing on and I'm like, this is neither thing I originally thought this movie was. I don't know that this movie is anything. Maybe it could have been something, but I think it's not anything. bizarre. And the other thing was, I was astonished to see his name come up with the writing credit at the beginning because I'm like, this is a guy I do not think of as a writer at all. You don't even really hear about him developing scripts. Yeah. And it felt like the rise and fall of his career was so much based around when he had access to the best scripts in Hollywood versus when he didn't. Right. Right. Where I'm like, well, it's not like he's a guy who can single handedly will any script into being good. No. So then I'm like, how weird that he wrote one movie and you watch this and you're like,
1: I get why he never wrote another film. fucking lesson. Yeah. Now, I don't know. Ben, what do you think of Nomad's? Ben's a little sleepy, today. Uh Well, yeah, I'm waiting to get roasted. Um, oh, Shay. Okay. okay, Ben was two hours late to recording because he was sleeping. Yeah. I stayed up late to watch this movie so that I could have seen it <laughs> before we talked about right. it. Sure, and that was... That unfortunately put us in this bind of you not being here to talk about it. You right. watched it. You prepared. You did. Yes. I prepared. We were seconds away from me hosting, uh, producing this podcast. Yeah. And who knows that, how that would have gone. I think you would have been okay. David was oh, getting behind you know, the control been board been okay. when Ben finally picked up. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. But what did
0: I think? I think it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting idea. And there were moments where I was like, oh, fuck, is this going to start ruling now? Is this what this movie is doing? And it never does it in the way that actually works. You like scallywags. Mm.
1: Scallywags. Go on. You like, you know, people where, like, if I saw them, I'd be like, I'm going to cross the street. Mm. You know, I, yeah. I don't like the the vibe of this sort of biker gang. Or I don't like right. the vibe of these, like, guys in leather jackets. You like that kind of a group existing. Absolutely. Kind of a and that's sort of what this is about. Yeah well adamant a silent adamant. Adam Ant, right uh, an, an unspeaking and he an, is he sort of post his major stardom at this point like when is his peak yeah it's 80 to 83 yeah so it's like a few years after he's been like the hottest shit mm-hmm. but he's still around yeah prince charming that's what he would say prince charming do you like adamant yeah, sure. Okay, Not right. like a big Adam Ant guy, personally. Are you? Kind of. Adam Ant is one of those things where I'm like, it rocks that for one year pop culture was like, you, you we wanted a fucking troubadour highwayman. Like, yes, yeah. this is what we wanted. Yeah. And then like after a year of that, he's like, should you more highwayman? And everyone's like, Completely sick of you, bro. Yeah. Like, no, no more. You sick. Like, yeah, yeah. What made you think but we were just more one that? little? It's just like how Ska, you know, like like you know, things would just get hot with like everyone for a year. Sure, sure. it's so funny to me. So yeah. I, I think yeah. it should be celebrated because his look was also just like he got covered in glue and then spun around in a vintage store. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 Which is kind of how the the
0: nomads in this movie... And then shows. he like kind of put his hands yes.
1: in paint and then just kind of like you know, yeah. slapped his face a few times. Yeah. Ben. David. Did you know that socks, tees, and underwear are the three most requested clothing items in homeless shelters? Nope. Uh, Bombas knows, and they're doing something about it. They're making ridiculously comfortable versions of all three uh, socks, tees, underwear, and they are donating one for every item sold. So... Uh, with all the clothing brands out there, it's nice to find some basics that don't just feel good, but do good, too. Uh, this is their Bombas' is one purchase equals one donated uh, commitment. They've helped customers donate over 100 million essential clothing items to people facing homelessness. It's a lot of good yep. work yep. done by people just buying the Bombas they wear every day. Uh, I wear Bombas every single day. I love their socks. I love their underwear. You're wearing them right now. I am. Buttery soft tea with no itchy tag arch-supporting sock that feels like it was sculpted for your foot. They've got easy returns and exchanges. they got a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you got the wrong size or whatever, you can just get a free return or an exchange or a replacement. Maybe you're more of a stay-at-home type, Ben. You know, it gets dark early these days. Bombus gets it. They've got winter socks. They've got slippers. Put these on, you might cancel your plan. Their cozy game is off the charts. It is highly, highly, highly cozy. So if you get ready to get comfy and give back, head over to bombas.com slash check and use code check for 20% off your first purchase. That's bomb slash check and use code check at checkout. Bombas.com slash check. I would hang with the nomads. Sure. Of course you would. That's what we're saying. I'd rather hang with them than fucking
0: Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Well, this is a- another thing to say in Ben's defense. You've not been sleeping well in general. No. But the other thing is, last night, you and I went to go see a motion picture called Die Hard. Have Ever
1: you- heard of it, I'm David? now realizing that you guys chased Die Hard with Nomads, which really is not going to make Nomads look good. That is the exact
0: point. Right.
1: So I, and you didn't really think you were doing this, right? You were just kind of like, Die Hard's playing. We, we had this record on the books, our yeah.
0: first McTiernan, right? And then I, two days ago, saw, holy shit, Die Hard is playing at Nighthawk in 35mm. I've never seen it in a theater. We're a couple weeks out from actually recording that episode. But I was like, fucking get ahead. Do the prep work. See Die Hard in the theater. ahead. get ahead, David. David, you wouldn't understand what this is like. (laughs) Did you... Some people like to leave things to the last second, oversleep, (laughs) show up late. And other people like to do their work in advance.
1: Do you, uh, did you see that the, um... Uh, Williamsburg? Williamsburg, okay, but it was on the big screen. There, it was scratchy. It was, it was a real grindhouse, kind a of busted print. old print. Okay, but it was, I mean, it, hey, it skipped over people some lines of dialogue. Prints? Oh sure, who needs them? It was kind of fun. <laughs> Not a quotable movie in any way. Um, um but I started
0: sure. watching Nomads.
1: You, you made a Die Hard sandwich. Correct. With nomads is the bread. Right. I was trying to
0: finish it, and then I got caught up in some other stuff. So I watched half of Nomads, went and saw Die Hard, went back home.
1: When you say you got caught up in some other stuff, does that mean pooping? Or? Correct. Okay. Yes, I didn't want to say it, but obviously everyone could infer what that John meant. Campbell McTiernan Jr. was born January 8th. Then watched
0: all of Die Hard and then Nomads. Both of those are bad ways to watch Nomads, because if you're directly comparing Nomads right up next to Die it's Hard. Tough. It's
1: tough. Yeah. Uh, January 8th, 1951 at Capricorn. Okay. Uh, Albany New York uh, I already mentioned his parents are Myra and John Senior yeah, we know this uh, old John, John Senior apparently uh, an upstate New Yorker himself okay uh, went to Syracuse University joined the Navy after Pearl Harbor fought in like you know the Pacific Campaign okay uh, returned after a tropical disease claimed much of his eyesight Uh, but then married Myra and they lived together for 61 years. Wow. He became a litigator for the state of New York, disguising his near blindness with a photographic memory and a prodigious ability to absorb documents read to him by his secretary. He became the counsel of the Transportation Department and because he had such a great courtroom voice, he took singing lessons and discovered the world of music, began singing with church and civic choirs, then community musical theaters, and finally spent many summers singing opera in professional theaters in Maine and Maryland. Wait, How? his dad's life story. Yeah, his dad's kind of incredible. How is the he singing not? director. His father. Mondays at 10 on NBC. How is this not? <laughs> How has John never made a movie about his crazy dad's Jesus life story? Christ. This like basically blind guy who not only becomes like a great courtroom like photographic yeah. memory guy, but also sings opera. Anyway, uh, so McTiernan. I guess this this sort of suggests I'm just reeling from the amount of information. I know, I know. JJ put it in and bolded it clearly because it's like you un- you don't shit. understand. This is sort of interesting. Yeah, I and I guess it sort of explains like McTiernan uh having a love of theater maybe i don't know if you're trying to sort of like figure sure. out like where he gets into things um he wanted to work in the theater so he enrolled where griffin juilliard juilliard yeah. this guy is a juilliard educated artist yes um he didn't like juilliard though found it suffocating i've never heard that about he, he
0: was going there for for theatrical directing i think so okay uh, he wanted to be a theater director yes yeah um Which is odd because, I mean, I think he's got great dramatic instincts, but I also think of him as such a visualist. He's sort of a guy where you
1: would almost just assume the technical came first. Well, this is the first of what I'm assuming is going to be a lot of John McTiernan quotes that's kind of to the point. Sure. Uh, I wanted to be a theater director, but it seemed like most theater directors were wealthy to begin with, had trust funds, and a large proportion of them were also gay. It felt somehow that I didn't fit. It was a hermetically sealed world, he says. He's a pretty blunt man, while being weirdly
0: eloquent. He he says what he thinks. He does not mince words.
1: He while struggling at Juilliard though, meets some people working on films, quote, I think they call themselves independent filmmakers or some pretentious nonsense. Johnny. But this <laughs> is part of this whole thing, like I, I hit the brakes. Don't think of me as some sort of artist. Um, you know, he goes to the Symphony Theater on Ninety Fifth and Broadway, RIP okay. doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, so he's taking a day off at Juilliard, which is like not allowed. Juilliard's very um, fussy about this sort of stuff. Yeah, if you've ever heard about Juilliard from anyone, it's like seems like a fucking nightmare. They don't let you uh, eat meals. Yeah, like it's insane. They don't uh, let you
2: eat meals? At no, all? for
1: four years he went to. See, I'm joking, but they do stuff like that. They really are very rigid about yes, like you can't take days off. If or,
0: you're like an acting student at Juilliard, and they you like get cut
1: off for the class. A paying job.
0: They're like, well, enjoy dropping out of college.
1: Wow. Uh, yeah,
0: you, it's one right. or the other. You either learn properly or you go take a job. Are you like here a to fucking take this seriously pig. or not? Right, right. Chill out,
1: Juilliard. Yeah. I right. agree. Every I'm year, saying it. it's every also year weird. Every year they
0: cut people. They do it like fucking elimination style. Yeah, Wait, they're they're really? like, yes. half your
1: friends won't make it. Like you know, that's how it is up up here. At the, you know, at the Big J. He goes to see Day for Night, Francois Truffaut's Day for Night at Mm -hmm. the Symphony Theater. He says he thinks he saw it eight times that day. He just sat and just like, every time they played it, he saw it again. Of course, Day for Night is a movie about making movies. Yes. Uh, It's an excellent film. And so he was very interested in like, I got past the story. I got past the acting. I got past like, oh, I love this bit. And I was just trying to get into like the true technology and process. That's fascinating. Uh, I learned to sit in the back row of a theater. You never watch it close if you want to see what's there or you want to try and reproduce what's there. I think I learned day for night, shot for shot, from memory so I could write it down. Sounds like he's got a fucking McTiernan Sr. memory over here. Uh, Other movies he loves? McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Mm -hmm. Uh, He loves the, you know, big wooden village. He likes how they built that. Yeah, He likes the sound of it. he thinks that movie is a huge inspiration on uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, which
2: we should talk that's about. <laughs> not the one.
1: <laughs> uh, I to. think the sound, he says, he tried to do some of the techniques that Altman did with sound there okay. where you like, uh, it doesn't sound like microphones are in people's faces. But also
0: Ensemble casts, especially in his early run of films, this is a guy who's so good True. at like juggling 20 primary characters, which is a very Altman-y thing. But Altman is doing that in a way that is not tied to propulsive plot. And McTiernan does, which makes it
1: even more impressive in a certain way. He quits Juilliard. He transfers to SUNY Old Westbury. They have a film program. Uh, He starts sort of... He says, I basically made my own film program because it was so new there. Uh, I made a long movie called Poor Richard's Almanac that was everything that went through the mind of a guy named Richard sitting in an apartment in New York City stoned on his ass. Mm,
0: Sounds kind of good. Sounds
1: pretty good. Yep. He made a student feature, like his sort of thesis film, called Tales of the 22nd Century. Okay. That got him into the AFI uh, where he got an MFA. So he's like a true... It's funny. He's like a true, like, first generation of, like, film school kids. You know, like these, like, you know, 70s film school kids who are learning the craft at these August institutions that are popping up. And then he's like, very good. But also What if these incremental... guys in a van hassled Pierce Bros?
0: He went through like every stage of it, you know? It's yeah. like, well, I learned like dramatic storytelling right. and dramatic craft and actors. And then I get into filmmaking. Right. And then I go to like through film program. And then I work in commercials. Like he just like slowly built
1: up every muscle. Starts making commercials. Yes. Another obvious classic way to do this. Mm -hmm. One thing uh, JJ wants to clear up. Wikipedia, among Mm. others, cites that this script was based on a book by Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough, uh, who is a, you know, somewhat well-known, like, uh, sci-fi and sort of fantasy. She she wrote uh, vampire novels and stuff. She's still alive. Okay. Um, Not true. It was a novelization that was published before. Correct. Even though Nomads was not released until 86, Yarvros' novelization of the script was released in 84 for it some reason. wild how big of an industry
0: there was around novelizations for movies of like any size. And there were a lot
1: of cases of... I think it was kind of like, it's like the work's half done. Yeah. The story's basically written Might anyway. as well
0: also sell it as a book. And they would just hand people scripts and have them write the book while the film was being made, before it was even filmed. And then you get a lot of cases like this. And there were times where they intentionally, like, would publish the book first and then pretend that the movie was based on the book. Right. Like, Love Story and Summer 42, is that as well? Right. Is that right? Right. But then other times you just have this thing where it's like, well, the movie just kind of sits around for a while and it doesn't come out. And the book made it to shelves so then people think the movie is based on the book, even though the book was never a bestseller.
1: It's weird. I mean, does it help the marketing? It did for a while, right, like the 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 narrative of like this not just being an original screenplay, right?
0: Well, it went Maybe? from being a like if a kid likes Star know if Wars,
1: much helped it at all, right? It yeah.
0: went from being if a kid likes Star Wars, publishing companies can make a quick buck by putting a Star Wars book on the shelves, and kids will want to reread Star Wars, especially in an era where you don't have home video, right? It's like this right. is your way to live with the movie over and over and over again. But then it starts to become this thing where they're like, it becomes promotion for the movie. Sure. That's weird. Anyway. Yeah. This film is based on nothing other than John McTiernan sitting idly.
2: Yeah. And well, going,
1: he what was... If nomads? Always very interested in um anthropology. Of okay. course, Pierce Brosnan's character is an anthropologist in this mm-hmm. film. He... Projected the notion of Eskimo monsters. Eskimo is a culturally insensitive word at this point. This sure. is an interview from the 80s. And he discovered while he's researching this, the, uh, this idea that nomadic cultures all have the same bloody myth that some of the people out there really, really aren't people. We walk around and a certain percentage of the people we see and deal with aren't really there. I don't know what he's talking about. Horror movies, he likes. Uh, they scared him. He loved Alien. Mm-hmm. So he decides I'm going to do a horror movie. He uh, gets a $1 million budget to make this movie from independent producer Elliot Kastner. Who is quite a fascinating figure, if we can dig into him for a bit. Uh, he did, He's the executive producer of When Ingalls Dare. He's, he, worked, uh, he produced uh, The Long Goodbye, the Altman film. He had the Marlowe rights for a while because he also did the, the 270s Marlowe movies with Mitchum. Kastner's collected archive of the production of Nomads is currently on sale for $1,196 on Abe Books, if anyone wants it. Kastner, though, yeah. I mean, do you want to get into him like more than that? Like he he's just kind of like a famous like Hollywood roustabout, about, right? Like he he would fund weird movies like the Missouri Breaks, that's another one like, that like, probably like, major studios didn't want to deal with. I mean, can I read two incredibly good Please quotes about do. him? Because I just think this He's is... someone with an interesting Wikipedia page. Yes. Mario Puzo,
0: 1977, said, a group of producers regarded Kastner as, quote, the greatest genius in the movie business. He has put together very big films, nearly all of which are flops, and yet he can get the money and stars to produce any movie he decides to. He does it with a phone irresistible charm and shameless chutzpah. So that's an interesting quote where you're like, this guy is a failure, but embodies something of this kind of like classic movie producer where he just wills his way into stuff. Alan Parker, who makes Angel Heart with Kastner, says describes him as an irascible gadfly in the film industry, having been involved with more films than Technicolor and outlived 50 studio heads in as many lawsuits. Many was the time I've seen him, quote, work the tables in the Pinewood Studios restaurant on the way to the men's room. He usually stayed just long enough to blow his nose in your napkin, dispense some wickedly cynical aphorism about the movies, and move on. There was an oft-told story that Marlon Brando finally said yes to doing misery breaks because he could not face the prospect of Elliot Kastner on his knees, crying in front of him one more time. I'm just fascinated by... You you hear the way people start to talk about him, and you're like, is this some Joel Silver, a man McTiernan will work with later, who just yelled and screamed and threw his threw his phone at people? You can't fucking do this to me! Right?
1: Fine, Jesus, Joel.
0: Or is this some like passionate? I'm gonna push this uphill. I'm a mensch kind of James Sheamusy friend to filmmakers guy. And you're like, Castler's in the middle, where it's like part of his bit is like schmoozing people, part of his bit's being pathetic. Most of his movies are bad. The ones that are good almost feel like they happen by accident. It's like why is
1: why did he get make long goodbye? Like that's crazy. That movie's actually good, right? Or whatever. Yes.
0: That everyone seemed to be like, I kind of can't deny this guy.
1: Yes, but he gives him McTiernan one million dollars for this script about fucking nomads. I don't know. Okay, I guess they're worse gambles to make. Sure, I think this movie made. It looks like it made two million dollars. So it was a robust hit, obviously. Yeah. 100% of it's... You know, 200% of it's gross. That was the other thing. But Castor would put his
0: own money in. If he like, found material he liked or a filmmaker he liked, he'd be like, I'm just going to give you money to write the script.
1: Pierce Brosnan has been in z- basically zero movies. He's uh, He has a nameless role as a gangster in The Long Good Friday. You see okay. his hairy chest. He looks very sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, he had been on the television show Remington Steel, which is currently airing. This yes. was made in between... Seasons three and four of Remington Steel. So this is in the period where Bond has been snatched away from him? Uh, Yes, I would assume so. Well, The Living Daylights is 1987. Okay. So maybe it's about to get snatched away from him. Maybe they fucking saw Nomads. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) He's on this bubble, but we've told this story. We told it on Patreon, but just to restate
0: it here, Remington Steel was like this perfect audition piece for James Bond, where he's playing sort of like a fake version of a James Bond type guy to the point where they're like, fuck, this is who should play James Bond. Remington steel gets canceled. You've told this story. I'm, but I probably told to it, it, it on Patreon. Yes, so I'm it gets it canceled.
1: The they, they start to hey, cast hey, him as hey, bond. Hey, Griffin was Let's telling this story. Let's slow it down. Let's slow it down.
0: The excitement from the rumor mill of Brosnan being tipped for bond. Makes NBC go, wait a second, maybe let's, let's capitalize yeah. on this, get him back on Remington Steel. So they uncanceled Remington Steel. He's locked into that. He misses Bond. Dalton gets at that time. He'll have to wait for later. But
1: of course, if he, right, he does at least end
0: but up th- getting th- through Bond. Where Wherever this happens in relation to that whole scenario, he is in this zone where people are like, this guy might be a leading man in movies. He's th- That jump's inevitable. Maybe. Well, no. Back then, to, the, the ju- jump was never inevitable. The jump... I should say I should put it this way: it is inevitable that they will test him out. Yeah, right.
1: Because uh, he's yeah, he's the of guy, a guy age had the potential, the players. right look,
0: the right what have you. Um, this film was unsurprisingly designed for Gerard Depardieu because for 15 years oh. there was only one French actor that America would acknowledge.
1: It's beyond that, it's not just oh, and I would say this is sort of at the beginning of his run there. Yeah. Because basically, 95, they let Jean Renaud
0: in as well.
1: Right? They're like, he also. There are French actresses who can make it in. So, like, obviously, the 80s. Well, we'll, like, let's wait. First process. Okay, sorry. Well, actually, well. Because I'm saying it's it's Depardieu first. (laughs) No, I know you're right. Yeah, okay. We can briefly just mention Depardieu. Because, like, obviously, Depardieu, I feel like his big breakout is like The Last Metro, right? Mm -hmm. Like, sort of like, does lots of movies in the 70s. Going places. Um, you know, the Last Woman, and you know, but then the eighties. Picture his face, Deppardu. Do you picture him as a like with like a serious look or sort of a goofy look on his face? I picture him looking like he's just been shown a a big wheel of cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: me too. Yeah.
0: I
1: think Here I, he is seeing it.
0: I think I made the comment that uh, Deppardu now is a man who uh, only appears in 3D, even when he's acting in a 2D film. <laughs> he does
1: look like he's been 3D printed. Yes,
0: I, I'm just like his face is just like so aggressive.
1: He's also a nightmare person. He is a nightmare person, in, um, but in a in 80s, million ways, he's hot huh. stuff. Yes, and he right starts doing stuff like Danton and. Like uh, Jean de Florette, where it's like he's even getting American Critics Awards and right. stuff like that. So, yes. But versus later on, he becomes thought of as like this burly French character actor. His peak is 1990, where he does Green Card and Cyrano de Bergerac in the same year. And everyone's like, he's crossing over. Right. He's and then he comes to America, does My Father the Hero. Yes. 1492 Conquest of Paradise. And it's like out <laughs> like, longest plot.
0: Yes. but he had been like France's biggest leading man for like 15 years at that point
1: yeah I was gonna say his yeah he'd already broken out before last Metro actually because there's a ton of you know going next, places at 74 yeah that was like his big breakthrough yeah and then like 1900 yeah. yes he and De Niro get dual hand jobs in that movie yeah um they do uh, like but yes, side, uh, side by
0: side he wins the fucking Golden Globe for green card and people are like I guess they did it the we guy will talk about over. him one
1: day on green card yes we will do that
0: and then uh, then he just proceeds to like have a couple humongous fuck ups in a row Yeah, and then becomes this guy you cast for shorthand French yeah like it's the thing in he's so distracting in Life of Pi in his very small part is the angry cook yes
1: okay because he keeps eating all the food I'm joking that's so mean of me he kind of does though well part of the
0: bit of the movie is that you like are
1: made to wonder if he was he was eating them right yeah
0: but um uh Ang Lee was like look I just that character doesn't have a lot of screen time I needed someone who very quickly the audience gets he's friend (laughs) and like that sort of becomes the way he's cast after that right but in, in in American films, in Hollywood films. Right. But this is a moment where, yes, it's it's before his 1990 peak, but it's in that period where people are saying, when, yeah. it, when a star is so big in a foreign country that Hollywood keeps on going like, are we fucking up? Is there an untapped resource here? It's what sort of happens to Banderas a little later. You know, Jackie Chan had a long time in Hong Kong where it's like, this other country is so fucking crazy for this guy. Do we need to figure
1: it out? The thing is... If you're going to maybe cast Gerard Depardieu and you write the role French, then you cast Pierce Brosnan. Maybe stop. Yeah, maybe change it back. Here's the thing. make it Irish. He's Irish. That's an accent. I think...
0: He can do it. Depardieu would have been vaguely disastrous in this film.
1: No one's good in this movie. No. So it doesn't
0: really matter. He might be fun. I can't see him fitting into this film. Pierce is struggling so much with the French accent. He does feel like better casting in every way but the guy being a Frenchman which you could just fucking drop. You could just drop it. It's irrelevant to the story. It's pretty irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. Especially just being a a film set in the States. You could just go, he's from Ireland. Or go, Pierce, what other accents are you good at? Anything you got? Don't impose
2: French You don't have French. Yes. Yeah, don't don't got that one.
1: But here's the thing. Yeah. McTiernan really likes Pierce Brosnan. Says it was great working with him. They stay in touch. Obviously, they work together again many years later. He's off. Um... He uh, thought he was well used in Remington Steel, but, you know, he's playing a bright and chipper character. So sure. he said, like, I had him put some weight on. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he would drink four or five beers a day to thicken up. Okay. Because in you Nomads, know, he's a little less, like, debonair, obviously, and a little less trim, and I guess. And
0: once don't know where this is coming in, in the Bond cycle, but Pierce was, like, consciously... I think it's
1: around. It's all happening sure. around. it's all
0: happening around the same space. I think he was, like, if I do Remington steel and Bond and other parts like this, I will never break out of this ever. I'm going to get pigeonholed right. into one type of suave. And
1: here's Pierce's quote. This is exactly it. I was so anxious to get away from that image. I think I went a little too far. I agree with that. I grew this big beard. I wore my hair long that movie came and went, I don't think it was a good move for me. Like, basically. I,
0: I, see, here's my argument. No one saw this movie. It didn't make an impact.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, he he's right. This didn't really hurt
2: his career. I
0: do think it actually maybe helped him to make a movie no one saw playing something very different with a different look, if not in terms of public perception, just in terms of himself. Yeah. Like, this movie is just basically an ash can for him to just be like, let me get this out of my system so that... When I go back to wearing the tuxedo and holding the gun, I don't do so with the panic of, am I going to be stuck here forever?
1: But then, like, he does the deceivers where he, like, wears fucking disguises or something. He does a movie called Mr. Johnson. Uh-huh. Which looks not good. Lawnmower Man, obviously. Sure. And then Mrs. Doubtfire, which is, like, a big movie. And he does uh-huh. get fruited. He, drive by for- he made a movie called Live Wire about... Sp- spontaneous human combustions where he plays a bomb disposal expert that sounds very good yes it does so the reason it must be terrible because i would have heard about it to suck he makes a movie called entangled with judd nelson you don't want to be making movies with judd nelson in the 90s (laughs) that's not like you don't want to be like waking up today and being like can't wait to report to set with judd nelson uh, so, uh, so uh, Leslie Ann Down, of course, is the female lead of this film, mm-hmm. kind of the real lead of this film.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, sort of. this film uh, has an incredibly bizarre approach to having a lead character. Yeah. Uh, so. And you keep thinking, I get it. This is how it's going to work. Is it going to be like a heaven can wait situation? Is it going to be like an all of me situation? And you're like, no, it will like spend enough time with one character that you forget the other character exists even though they're sort of occupying the same reality, but in two different timelines?
1: Right. Well, Lesanne Down was friends with Elliot Kastner. Okay. And he got lunch with her and he said, I've got this new director I'm producing a movie for in LA and I would like you to play the girl, the Mm -hmm. doctor. He describes the movie and she says, that doesn't sound like me. I'm English. You're describing an American doctor. Uh I don't think that's going to work for me and he says well i'd like you to be in it. it would help the selling of it and she was like okay then they offer her some money she gets off the plane she says and she meets mcturnan says he's very gruff uh-huh. wasn't nice to her
0: was uh, because he didn't upfront, want like her. right you are not what i wanted i You're wanted being forced
1: on me he had some american blonde girl see uh, hitchcocky blonde right who was quote she says quote probably perfect for the part and yep. i was not and so they had a terrible time she's not good in this movie She's not like terrible. She's, not She's whatever. Yeah. I mean, is anyone good
0: in this movie? Uh, that, uh, I would say the van is doing good work. David. Yep. The
1: economy. No. I know. That's it never, it's actually more robust than the press would have you think. But you know what? What?
0: It's hard talking about the economy in this economy. <laughs> It ain't cheap talking about the economy.
1: Hard doing an ad read. In this economy? In this economy. Sorry. Look, I used to spend over $100 a month on streaming services. Yeah. Netflix, same bro. Big same. Disney Plus. All of Prime. Them. You name it. But yes. I, since I started using ExpressVPN, I've been able to cut back and save so much every month. You know why? Why? Well, all these streaming services like Netflix have thousands more shows than you think, because if you switch to another country, mm-hmm. they got a completely different library. Basically hidden behind a door. There are whole other rooms you never knew about. Check out that Italian Netflix, okay? Yeah. It's got nice ciabatta. Yeah. Right? Mozzarella. We did, we did the, the legal movie draft for the big
0: picture. We sure did. I was having a hard time finding all the Grishams. And I went, let me, let me check ExpressVPN. They're all on Disney Plus in the UK. There you go. It was one-stop shopping. Ran through
1: them. Because you just have to use the ExpressVPN app mm-hmm. to change your online location. That's all I got. Got ninety countries to choose from. Yeah. Every time you run out of stuff to watch, switch to another country, unlock some new shows. It's it's incredibly simple. I will say, my my uh,
0: my mother and my brother both live in Europe now, and mm-hmm. want to sign up for all these newfangled European streaming services while they have these old American subscriptions. Okay. ExpressVPN.
2: Express Gave them the promo VPN. code. They
1: do it. It changed their lives. On top of that. You can even use it to get discounts. Mm-hmm. Some services cost less than other countries. Maybe you buy Netflix from Argentina. costs a fraction of the price. We love our Ar- Argentinian Netflix. We love it. It's the beef. It's oh. so cheap there. The olives. Uh, and I don't mean Netflix is beef, but maybe I do. Yeah, possibly. Uh, <laughs> at less than $7 a month, ExpressVPN pays for itself and so much more. It's a no-brainer. So if you want to get way more shows and save money while you're at it, go to expressvpn.com slash check. Don't forget to use my link so you can get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash check. ExpressVPN dot com slash check to learn more. It's my link
0: too.
2: It's a shared link. It, it would join custody. Okay. Okay, buddy. This movie has interesting people
1: in it. It does.
2: And like, you keep
0: waiting for someone to sort of start popping.
1: Yeah, but does anyone pop? No. I think Mary Waranov, who plays dancing Mary, is like a legendary kind of like a Corman Warhol girl. Paul Bartel's partner, yeah, she's kind of she she holds the camera. She does. No, there are
0: people. On the, I mean, they're they're compelling, but you're just like waiting for someone to sort of have some. Juice. I mean, it is astounding that he went from this to Predator. And my biggest question I just want to put on the table right now is Schwarzenegger takes the credit for. He saw this, said this guy established... He liked the mood of this movie. A good atmosphere and a very low budget. Predator was his project. He convinced Fox to hire John McTiernan. Is Arnold Schwarzenegger a genius for being able to pick that out? Or did he get really lucky that McTiernan was so much better in terms of potential than he even could have realized? I think he's a bit of a genius. That's my take. This is the whole argument Because with Schwarzenegger versus his modern day counterparts is like he
1: picked the right fucking
0: collaborators. Yes.
1: He had a great eye for talent and he trusted people. It's possible that he saw this movie and was like, well, here's a director I could push around. Like, I guess. Like, but I don't think so. I think he saw this movie and this movie's only accomplishment is yes. that it sets a mood. Yeah, So much so that you're like, can't wait for the horror to begin. Right. And then the credits are rolling and you're like, what? What? He just got hassled by some guys in a van. Smartly, I don't understand. If you're, but they're like,
0: invisible, David. <laughs> if you're Schwarzenegger, right? And like, Silver's got the fucking Predator script. Yeah. Shane Black's doing Punch-Up. You're reading it and you're like, this is a fucking billion-dollar premise. If I'm handing him this script and this guy's good at mood, then he'll probably be able to pull
1: this off. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Arnie's probably a genius. We can talk about it more next week, I guess, If like what yeah. that went like. I
0: just, I kept watching this going like, would I have been able to recognize what he recognized in watching this?
1: Yeah, right. But, uh, you know. This is not like
0: a wildly unsuccessful film. It's not one of the worst movies we've ever covered, but it's one of the films that like, it makes very little impression. I do agree if you're looking at it very seriously, you can see like, okay, this man does know how to construct scenes. The film is not dramatically engaging, but it looks good for what it is, you know? It's got some panache at moments, but it's definitely not unlike some first films we've covered where you're like, this thing's rough, but you can feel the energy of someone figuring shit out. This is not a first film where I would bet on, like, this guy's absolutely going to get it together.
1: No. And like you said, I was firing this up just being like, maybe this will be a bit of an undiscovered... Secret Gem even if not a gem just kind of like a fun pulpy 80s yeah supernatural thing and it's just irritating how much it is not supernatural or scary
0: right this not. was leslie and like big complaint about the movie is like it's a real neither fish nor fowl i mean she's done a lot of interviews about it since where she's like he was like stuck in this terrible zone between like wanting it, it to be scream
1: factory did a big release of this right. movie. right yeah
0: uh, this sort of, she's the one person who still talks about the film. Uh, but like, he wanted this sort of more self-serious, stripped down, somber version of the thing. Right. But it doesn't really work as an actual drama and he stays away from like the pulpiness of going full genre with it. So you're just stuck in this middle zone where it's like, just kind of mood. The basic premise of this movie is that Pierce Brosnan. Oh, 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 please go ahead, try to summarize this quickly. Is a French correct. sociologist anthropologist. Anthropologist, anthropologist, sorry, who studies nomadic cultures. Correct. Has uh sort of displaced his loving, devoted, patient wife yes. for decades as he just Nikki. picks her up and goes, we now need to go to a different. Uh, sort of off the beaten path. We
1: got to go to fucking, right, the middle of nowhere to study this nomadic culture. I mean, right. obviously, it's not going to be in a, you know, giant metropolis or whatever. His wife played by Anna Maria Monticelli. Yeah, I was fine in this. Uh, he finally settles
0: down in Los Angeles. He's going to start teaching at UCLA. Is that the idea? Like, he's sort of finally trying to set up he's gotten a job at UCLA yeah they get a suburban home and he's like I'm ready to play the normal person game
1: and then a van appears dun 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 Which ben, I, we do have to agree with that filled ben. with nomads <laughs> best performance in jackets. the movie yeah the yeah. van you think the van I mean people keep being like holy shit it's the van and I, they, I almost believe them that yeah. they're like fuck
0: It's the van again! But the way we're introduced to this is that Leslie Ann Down. (laughs) This is the thing.
1: (laughs) That would be a movie.
0: Is the doctors getting ready to retire or transfer?
1: I think she's maybe gonna transfer. Eileen Flax is her name. Yeah. She's working an ER shift, a guy comes in and dies. He's like screaming and he's bloody. It's Pierce in Brosnan. In French,
0: no one can make sense of what this guy
1: is saying. He's losing his fucking she, mind. He basically like whispers in her ear before he dies and she gets like possessed with she his She walks memories. away. She was like, that was fucking weird. And everyone's like, that guy just died.
0: <laughs> this is the other thing watching this movie on the same night as Die Hard. Die Hard is one of the most impressive movies in its ability to communicate information cleanly, and in an entertaining fashion that is memorable. And this movie, I could barely keep track of anything that was going on. And even putting aside the weird lore of the nomadic supernatural thing it's getting at, I I just couldn't figure out, like, is Leslie Hand down retiring? Or is she transferring (laughs) to a different hospital? Or is she changing careers? There are all these conversations that sort of have this tone of her being one foot out the door. And I could not figure out what exactly she was moving from or to. Um, But yes, it's not important. He whispers into her ear and then basically possesses her. And you're like, OK, so is this one of those movies where his soul
1: is inside her body? No, no, it's not. She's reliving his memories, she basically. But she'll do it while she's like, you know, at the deli. Right. So like she's going like Aah! and like she thinks she's Pierce Brosnan. But at the deli, there's a lady running around screaming.
2: But she's to not be clear,
1: no doing in that in like in present, present time. It's like
0: in present moment she is reliving the last week of his life. Yes. She's basically walking through flashbacks, not realizing that in real life, she is also in spaces doing things.
1: Yeah, like she's Mr. Magooing kind of across town. Like she's on like a steel... You know what I mean? Like a steel bar, uh, bar or whatever that's being lifted by a crane and she's walking across. Exactly. And but like... she
0: like doesn't have agency in these flashbacks. Like you're just watching Pierce <laughs> I Brosnan. I just figured out
1: what you're saying. And yes. yes. That's no,
0: you does. nailed it, Ben. Once again, our finest film critic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Even though he's on two hours of sleep.
0: <laughs> There's like 10 minutes you'll be with Brosnan and then they'll cut back to her. And yes, she's like walking into a wall and everyone's screaming at her. <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, right. All of what I just saw happened a week ago. She has no ability to affect the outcome. It's not like a time travel thing. It's not a possession thing in a usual sense,
1: right? It's no. not even like, oh, to other people, she looks like it's this. It's stupid. Okay, let's just say it. It's dumb. doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't matter. because I- The movie does it way too many times, and it's like what are you doing? Like, you know, like but snaps back to her. So long. What's
0: going on? She wakes up in bed with his okay. wife and you're yes. like, did
1: she fuck his wife? Okay, she- so let's talk about it though. That scene is so bizarre. Is weird because it's, she's in Pierce's memory.
0: And once again, she's like not even... Because she doesn't
1: have agency in the Pierce possession. She's just basically like... She's acting out
0: what he did. I got to get through a week of Pierce's life to catch up to what actually killed him.
1: Right. I want to find out what happened to him right before I met him in the hospital. And there's a scene where she basically, Pierce, like, goes up to a window. Uh Uh-huh. Undresses after being hassled by the people in the van. Sure. You see his shadowy dong. Uh Uh-huh and he gets into bed, and then, right, then you're waking up, and it's her in the bed with, with his wife. Right, you're like, is she placing herself wife is in his like, that? do you know what happened to my husband? Right. She's like, no. Do you know what happened to your husband? And she's like, no. Like, and so they have to figure it out together. Yes. But it's like, did she actually
0: show up? I don't fuck, fuck yes. Pierce Brosnan's Not widow, fuck,
1: but maybe sleep next to?
0: And then wake up, and then be like, well, weird coincidence. I was think I was living through the memory of the last time your husband fucked you, but also fucking you.
1: I don't know. They don't fuck.
0: They just sleep together. It just feels like there's a version of this movie where when she sleeps, she has in her dreams the visions of what he was going through. And then she wakes up and tries to solve the mystery herself. Right. Instead, this movie basically has her be possessed for a lot of the time. And then her friends are kind of trying to solve the mystery. Kind because of. her friends are like, what the What's fuck is going, going on
1: with, with her? Yeah, right. We need to figure this out. She's
0: acting crazy. What the mystery is that basically there is this this gang of like post punk There's a gang of punks
1: travel around in a
0: band in right. a band. And he's fascinated by them because he's like, they seem to be a modern American version of nomadic culture. Yes. But they turn out to be this sort of like spiritual. Yes embodiment of yes. a, a
1: notion of a demon that nomadic cultures used to worship be obsessed with? Worship in yes. folklore? Yes, they are the Ainwitok demonic Inuit trickster spirits that take human form, commit acts of violence and mischief, and are attracted to places of death. They have like a shrine to a murderer... Uh-huh. Uh in like a garage, he finds that and is like, what's going on? This is like the cultures I've studied elsewhere. There's this very specific kind of junky
0: supernatural movie that is like the writer, the filmmaker, became obsessed with a real bit of mythology that existed in history, right? An old bit of folklore that has historical grounding. And then they build a movie around it in which the lead characters don't know what's going on. And in the last 30 minutes, you need a professor to explain it to you. And I just, it always feels like brutal when you get to those scenes and you're like, I don't care if this is real or not.
1: The problem is, though, I could accept that if there was exciting sequences. Which there should be. Which there should be. You could give me a home invasion. And What's they him? do. The poster is him,
0: leather jacket, beard, looking like a snack, fucking
1: floating ghost faces above him. With like claws going like, ah. Right. I'm thinking, give me all this you got. I just want a home invasion. Yes. A car chase. Sure. A battle in an alley. Some fucking g- ghoulish makeup. And some makeup. And I want to <laughs> see inside the van. <laughs> yeah. I me mean, in there yeah you do I want to well, see how well, decorated at the Nomads Experience on 56th Street and 7th Avenue you can go inside the van with the Nomads you gotta get there early, though. lines around the block yeah, especially crazy. this time of year $85 or $95 to actually enter it's, it's a, a real tourist trip. $85 if you just come near us uh, yeah, but uh, they just keep on showing up in his fucking garage and fucking with him
0: and driving him a little crazy yeah And you're just like, I know this guy dies. That's the other thing. There's no real mystery to solve as much as the movie acts like there is. And you're just slowly moving towards the inevitable point of them beating the shit out of him.
2: (laughs) Right? Because
0: you're like the full circle moment of this movie is her being like, okay, and now I've lived through the death, which is when I entered the picture, he showed up bloodied and I didn't save his life.
1: I just want to cut to it. They, they, you know, they fucking look around trying to figure out what's going on. Sure. She's flashing back to what happened to Brosnan, mm-hmm. which is, they got hassled. They eventually get chased out of uh, his home by the punks. Mm-hmm. They flee to the attic. Dancing Mary, like, pops her head up and is like, yeah. and they're like, oh, no, and then she leaves. Uh, <laughs> so then they run away. Yep. Their house has been ransacked. They drive out of the city and then they see a guy on a motorcycle and it's Pierce Brosnan. Right. And they go, oh, my God. Well, and
0: then, and then the first, movie ends. Lizzie And them first says, keep driving, keep driving. No matter what, just keep driving. Is like preparing her. You're going to see something that's going to freak you out so fucking much. Don't be distracted by it. Keep driving. Yes. Yeah. And then they see him there. He takes off his helmet. He looks fucking hot as hell. And they're like, whoa, that was intense. And they keep driving in the movies over. The and movie's he's just over. on the side
1: of the road. You're like, what? What? And I'm not saying what in terms of like, I need everything explained to me. I'm saying what in terms of like, I feel like we're just starting to get somewhere with the nomads, yeah. guys. I don't know if this can be the end of your movie. No. I don't know if people are going to walk out being like, God, it was so crazy at the end when it was Pierce Brosnan on a motorcycle. I'm going to say it. John McTiernan, terrible writer.
0: It is astounding. If you told me this is the first screenplay written by a man who came out of commercials, which he was coming out of, yeah, I'd be like, that makes sense. This is a guy he has got a sense of tone, of mood, of images he wants to evoke, right? But like, uh, maybe he doesn't have a story sense. The fact that he started out going to Juilliard, that like dramatic fundamentals were drilled into him, something that I do think comes across in his other films. Right. It is astounding that this movie has no sense of story
1: no. It is so improperly told. What's a movie like this where you're flashing, you know, into memory? Like, you know, what there's lots of movies that are like this, right? Like someone's having sort of haunting visions of of horrible things. Yes. Now I'm struggling to think of what. Yeah, I know. I'm putting you Being on the spot. John here. Malkovich. No. No,
0: but that's more what I thought this movie was gonna be of like they're two people fighting for space in the body. Do you know what I'm saying? Whereas this is she just kind of like it's like her her broadcast frequency is overtaken by his memories.
1: And then she's just powerless. That's the other still z- acting it out. Yes. We we keep discussing this. We don't know. But so probably every time that <laughs> seems happens, to be
0: the answer. You're like, you now have two main characters with no agency. Because everything she's acting out, she's not actually affecting. And all
1: of it is done. It happened a week ago. Nothing can be changed. He's dead, which yes. is nominally interesting. Like yes. we start the movie with like him dying and passing on the curse of whatever the fuck this is. Sure. And then she has to both deal with the curse. It's sort of like the ring or you know, like yeah. and figure out what happened to this dead guy. Right. But that's a tough way to introduce the leading man in your movie. Yes. He has no service to your leading lady. Sure. It fucks both of them. But Brosnan has no active role in this movie. You're just watching him get hassled right, over a week.
0: And thinking about the fact that she's watching this. Yes.
1: In her mind. Brosnan never feels like he's got much of a handle. Like his character is just like, they're like nomads. Right. And you're like, okay, buddy. And he's like, that's crazy. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And he's like... My conclusion: They're nomads. He invokes like
0: it's not like he has like more to say on. This. No, and when he says it to his wife, he says it like it's this massive
1: breakthrough. These people I've seen—they are nomads. I can't even do. Yeah, yeah, we. I mean, if we haven't made it clear enough, he's speaking in a French accent. It is absolutely fucking so gone-off. bad. It is so bad. So bad. Uh, his singing in SOS. I made that joke on Letterboxd. End here, it is better. He sings SOS better than he talks oh, French here. Wrong. Yes, but, but there's a similar level of you can just see the sweat beads on his correct. forehead as he's trying to be a French bearded anthropologist. But when he says, like, these people who are following me,
0: I'm starting to think they might be nomads. It's like, here. who
1: cares? Call the police. And
0: his wife responds <laughs> like, that's impossible, as if he's saying they might be vampires. And you're like, nomadic living, that's like a way of life. It's right, just like, a person who doesn't live in a particular place. It's not a supernatural condition. These happen to be supernatural nomads, but that's not even his thesis. His thesis was, would you believe it? American nomads. And you're like, sure, I believe. I, I don't know what the fuck. I, who
1: cares? There's so many examples that I could think of of nomadic people in this country. Yes. In, in a modern sense.
0: Made a whole movie about RVs, a land of them. A of them. Motorcycle
1: groups. We gave it best picture. Or, you know, gangs, motorcycle we gangs.
0: We personally gave it best picture. You guys did? The Nomad Land. You don't remember that year in 2020? They said, you guys just vote on the Oscars
1: during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember a lot of that time. Um, why not? Try to was block that, it out. What's up? Why not? Something going on? It was a blimp. A blimp? Good year. It was a mid 2000s Russell Crowe Ridley Scott picture. Oh, huh? good year. I'm trying to finish my Scots now. Yeah. I don't know if I told you this. Finn. You yeah. so I watched a good year finally. Pretty good. Is it? It's kind of charming. Uh-huh. Unlike 1492 Conquest of Paradise. Yeah. Starring that's, Gerard Depardieu. You seen that? Fucking f- f- turd. That's like his biggest stinker ever. It's his biggest right? stinker ever. Yeah. yeah. What is it about? Christopher Columbus. Oh, right. Okay. Depardieu as yes. Christopher Columbus. Because yep, yep. they were like, uh, you're French, right? But you could play Christopher Columbus. What was he, Spanish? And Depardieu's probably like, he was Italian. like, yeah, so you, you can do that, right? <laughs> like, on on you know, the anniversary of this wool fucking yeah, right. outfit and this stupid hat. Yeah, exactly. You Just go yell at some monks. <laughs> It'll be fine. On
0: like, the anniversary of Columbus Discovering America, there were two rival, giant, big budget Christopher yep. Columbus biopic epics starring European leading men that both came out within months of each other and bombed atomically. And people were like everyone's going to want to see a fucking Columbus movie this year. Anyway, uh Deppardoo, More like
1: Deppardoo Um Nomads. Uh Nomads. I, nomads. I mean, can they, you believe the, it? The the gangs the gang is kind of fun. Kind of, but the, you also uh. keep waiting for them to pop yeah. You're like or turn into tension. monsters. Right. Something's
0: going to happen.
1: The craziest thing that happens is Mary Waranov pops her head into the attic wearing leather. Yeah. Sh- shrieks at them and kind of like pops one nipple out and is like, ah. And that's it. That's what happens. You, know what, you don't really know why he
0: died. You know what they feel like? They feel like the gang in Near Dark, except they don't talk and they never turn into vampires. And let's go back it's to It's very Near Dark. It's But that energy yeah. of just, like, something off-putting about these guys. There's something they're hiding.
1: They're menacing. Right. For some reason.
0: Right. And they're, like, colorful. And then you're like, what's the movie? What's the big punch It's like, storing up? And you're like, don't mm, they just act kind of
1: weird? Like... Obviously, the implication of you seeing Brosnan at the end of the film is Uh they've like stolen his soul. That's what they did. Okay. And now he's one of the nomads. Great. So he, too, will ride a bike. Okay. The most chilling fate. (laughs) You can't leave the theater because you're crying in your seat. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a finished ending. The chill up your spine has paralyzed you. His next movie is Predator. Ah, It's a better movie. Yeah. Listen, this is still, though, a good idea.: Yeah, it's a good idea.
0: What comes to mind is you could do a page one rewrite on this movie and make a very, very enjoyable thriller.
1: Stephen King's the outsider. Sure. Oh, oh, right. I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's series. yeah, it's not a movie, but I'm just saying some some kind of piece of media that's like this. yeah, like this ancient force that's out there, yeah. I like an ancient force. We I like an Empty Men.
0: We love our Empty Men.
1: Empty Men's a little a little like this where it's like a guy being like, "What's going on?" Yeah. In like regular life. Right. But like I'm poking at like, "What's this?" Yeah. This sort of like spooky undercurrent. Except is I mean, Patrick Willems, mm-hmm. friend of the show. Yeah. His letterbox review is the poster is this is a terrifying supernatural horror movie, and the actual movie is, A Woman Remembers Pierce Brosnan Being Harassed by Punks in a Van.
0: I mean, 10 out of 10 great job,
1: That is what this movie is.
0: Yes, correct. Here's the other thing. The, the taglines for this movie, this film has two taglines, okay? The first one is a terrifying story of the supernatural.
1: Nominally true. Nominally
0: true. It thinks it's
1: terrifying. It's kind of supernatural, but sure.
0: Ben, the second tagline for this movie is, if you've never been frightened by anything, you'll be frightened by
1: this. Right. So, like, people maybe who have actually fought Satan himself. Yes. And were not afraid. But then they're like, one ticket to nomads, please. And then they're sobbing with fear. This movie
0: isn't even, like, saying, oh, the scariest movie ever made, which would be a bold claim. This movie is saying, hey, you, Daredevil, the man without fear. <laughs> right.
1: We dare you to sit through 88 minutes of this. Or we know long you yawn
0: during The Exorcist. <laughs>
1: right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: We know you sat unblinking in the middle of an active battle zone, unafraid, didn't break a sweat. Nomads is going to fucking destroy She's gonna you. She's going to have
1: so many weird dreams in it and spook everyone around Killed her. It. Brosnan's
0: on a motorcycle! The other thing is when she she wakes up and thinks that she's fucked Brosnan's wife after having the memory of Brosnan fucking his wife, Brosnan's wife says something to the effect of, don't worry, you slept on the couch. Did you rewind to see if you could see? You can't really see his dick. Yeah, I rewind. It's kind of a shadowy, you know, scene. Brosnan's widow says, don't worry. I hear what you're saying. You slept on the couch. And I'm like, you
1: didn't. We just saw
0: you wake up in bed covered in sheets. You're naked. What do you
1: mean? Well, maybe it's changing, right? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Look, uh, here's some other stuff from the dossier. Okay. While working together. Uh, on has the Brosnan film... ever shown more dick than this in a movie? Not that I'm aware of, but I need clearly need to watch that bomb disposal movie or whatever. Yeah. Uh, while working on this film, Brosnan and Down realized they might have known each other as children. Uh, sure, they okay. went to school near each other in London mm. and quote, this is Down, he was one of the boys that used to hang outside of school and the girls would come out and hike their skirts and lots of flirting would go on. Sounds sounds great.
0: Uh, and JJ really grasping at straws in this one. Uh, Usually yeah. JJ puts a bunch of good stuff
1: in that we don't say. We're running out of stuff to say and we're looking through JJ's dossier. Okay, well, here we just go. a bunch of shrug emojis. All right, well, here's a great story from Down. Quote, everything with the punky people and everything with us, the doctor and the wife, they were shot separately, but I did meet the punky people people one night. It was a dreadful shoot. We were at a house in the Palisades. Lo and behold, pulled outdoors down and all this gunfire starts. Cut, cut, more gunfire, more bullets. Beverly Hills Cop 2 was being shot there. Okay. The, ni- the night scene where 20 zillion people get killed. So basically they're like next to that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. Uh, music by Bill Conti. Yeah. A great uh fucking legend. Uh composer. Yeah. He had just won an Oscar for the right stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously he's best known for His Rocky and Oscar? Karate Kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh no, I think he actually never won for Rocky. Is that crazy? That can't be true. How could you give Rocky best picture and not score? He didn't win for score. So now look, we got we got like sort of 15 more minutes to fill, right? What's our runtime here, Ben? This episode's back in business. (laughs) It's an hour 16. What one score over Rocky? What one score over Rocky? Let's find out. Because this is back when they would have like... Rocky wasn't even nominated for score. What the fuck are you talking about? It was nominated for song, Gonna Gonna Fly fly Now, now. which lost to A Star Is Born Evergreen. Okay. Uh, It was not nominated for best score. That went to an incredibly iconic score. Jerry Goldsmith for The Omen. A sure. score so big that it like charted. Yeah. Like, you know, like that, like the fucking song from The Omen, which is just like, like was like on the charts. Yeah. Uh, and then the others, look, honestly, it's kind of a, okay, so it's Bernard Herrmann posthumously gets two nominations Jesus. for Taxi Driver, an iconic score. Incredible score. An Obsession, where he's giving oh, De Palma sure. a very uh, Hitchcockian score. Yeah. Jerry Fielding's score for the outlaw Josie Wales, an amazing movie. I can't say I remember the score that well. And Lalo Schifrin, a famous mm-hmm. uh, composer for Voyage of the Damned. The um, oh yeah, you know uh, I mean, the fair boat movie, disaster yeah. Right? yeah. Fade Away. Oh, that's what it's I Fade mean. Dunaway, yeah. Fade Dunaway. Yeah. Fade Dunaway. Yes, but sorry. it is. Yeah, no, gonna fly now. Loses. Wild. I don't know. They they fucked Rocky over. Maybe Rocky was ineligible
0: for some reason. That, that my question is. What is the story behind that not getting nominated?
1: It's one of those crazy years where Rocky won Best Picture, uh-huh. as you know. Which it's, is in and of itself a little crazy. Right, because like, I love Rocky. I think that movie is honestly incredible. Yeah, I agree and obviously it was a gigantic hit and it was a word of mouth sensation and all this never would have given it best picture especially it, against that competition Taxi Driver, Network, Bound for Glory and All the President's Men like a really really insane list of movies a that silly, are really really a good a silly winner from that group it's a bit of a silly winner but you also kind of get it it's Rocky it's lovable yes. all of those movies are bummers underdog right he's an underdog like yeah. it's like you know what you're gonna fucking give it to Taxi Driver no way it ends with him shooting up a pimp house needs is more encouragement <laughs> right all the president's men an incredible movie For sure but like it's it's a quiet movie like yes. it's kind of all soft-spoken it ends with them publishing their first stories like yeah. you know it doesn't have the kind of knockout thing right sure. network they maybe could have given it to network it won three acting oscars it was a huge hit yeah right or what did you just went two? no it won
0: oscars. three
1: right right no, uh, two, two. uh
0: no three because yeah, it won finch won. Faye and straight.
1: Correct. Uh, it was almost it, a straight sweep, but baby. And right. it won um, screenplay. Right.
0: I think going into the night, people assume that was going to win, especially as I wonder now I should look this up. When At, Beatrice straight wins, they have to assume shit. If she's winning, everyone's winning, right? The whole thing is winning. Do you think that's a deserving win? No, I don't No, No, and not. I It's
1: actually, I, she beat again, really good
0: actor. I think that is one of the best films ever made. I think it is one of the best acted movies of all time. Yeah. I don't think that performance is good. Beyond the fact that <sighs> I I wouldn't have picked her I don't over like the competition, that
1: scene. I think the performance is fine. I don't love that scene. It is so it is Do you see Network Ben? Is that the one about the news? I'm yeah. mad
0: as hell. I'm not going to take anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I have phenomenal
1: film. I have to admit something though. What? I didn't finish watching it. Okay. Well, did you finish watching Nomads? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> when okay, Did you tap so... out on Nomads? And by tap out, did you... I didn't see him on the motorcycle. Okay, well... Uh, oh, that was news to you? He's on the motorcycle! Yeah. Was
0: your, was your internal monologue while watching Network, I'm bored as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore? He's, okay.
1: Network everyone's yelling. Can you do some Foley work for your jaw hitting the floor when I tell you he's on the motorcycle? Just thunk. do a big thunk. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I'll have it, my tongue unfurl too. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh,
0: Be a straight to Tapola Simsism, I think, is a ham sandwich in that movie. But everyone is in that movie. But everyone else is they, how do I put it? Everyone else is very kind of like comedically canny with their performance. None of the performances in that movie are subtle. Hers is the only one that feels melodramatic and self serious to me.
1: Yeah, the nominees, I agree, basically. The other nominees. Jane type- Alexander. Jane which Ows is gender. an incredible one-scene performance. All presence, man. She's so good in that fucking movie. Yeah. Um, Jodie Foster for Taxi Driver, obviously an amazingly iconic performance. Yeah. Lee Grant for Voyage of the Damned. You know, okay, that's the movie I haven't seen. That's Lee, Lee Grant's co- a great-ass Coming actor. after the year she wins, though, right? right. Uh, she won... For Champion? Yeah, a year before for Champion. Okay. And uh, Piper Laurie for Carrie, which is an awesome performance. That's probably who they should have given it to, right? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, she never won an Oscar. Yeah, I mean, I love Piper Laurie. Should they bring? Is she still alive? Who? Piper Laurie? Yeah. Why do I think no, she, she passed just her very recently?
0: Yes. Fuck. We just lost her. What yeah. are you gonna say? Bring her back?
1: Yeah, they should. Should they pull the um, Carrie legacy? Yeah. The, the, what they did to poor Ellen Burston. Have you seen that movie yet?
0: I haven't. Do you know what they do to her? Uh, I, I. What they like knock her out, and then she's just kind of like
1: asleep in a room. Knock her or... out would be kind. Look, spoiler alert for The Exorcist: fucking believer. Okay, they, and that was the official title was The Exorcist: colon fucking believer. <gasps> no, she. They're like, hey, hey, can, you know, we've got a possession situation. That's like, what happened to your daughter? Can you? Oh, I'll come. Okay, yes, no, yeah. I, I haven't seen my daughter in years. We're estranged, but I'd love to help you. Let me go talk to your daughter. I, you know, I'll go in the room with her. Uh-huh. Talks to the kid for like thirty seconds. The kid fucking blinds her in both eyes. She's in the hospital for the rest of the movie with no eyes. No eyes. That uh, feels rude. (laughs) It's a little rude. The other thing is... Does she get to do anything else? At the end of the movie, Linda Blair shows up and gives her a hug. That's it? Pretty much. During the big possession scene, you kind of cut to her in the hospital, and she's sort of going like, whoa. Were there people in a van at any point?
2: Maybe.
1: (laughs) When,
0: When... Maybe sort of just in the background. Okay. When the possessed girl fucks with Ellen Burstyn, does she yell, try blindness? Yes. <laughs>
1: that would be funny. That would be oh, funny I if she referenced in. the conversation you had with her. Waiting months for me to make that joke.
0: Um, she <laughs> but David, I got a pitch for this scene. It might seem a little strange. I really think this is a moment to riff on a conversation I had with some twerp <laughs> in a
1: makeup trailer 10 years ago. Yeah, to be clear, that's Ellen Burstyn talking to David Gordon Green, not Griffin talking to David Sims. Now, uh, Bill Conti did the score.
0: Uh, Elliot Castle. again. No, I, w- I want to go back to that. I want to go back to that. Because we're never going to talk about fucking Exorcist fucking Believer. Oh, sure. I'm changing the title. It's now called fucking Exorcist colon fucking Believer. Uh-huh. They, they I, I think it came out that she shot all her footage for that movie the end of 2020.
2: Huh.
0: Because they make this big deal. Yeah. Three films. They're getting Burston back. Her first time since the original film. Ellen Burston close to 90 yeah, she's very old. And they were uh, like, look, COVID, we don't know how long this goes on for. Yeah. She's, she's 90 years old. Let's yeah. get a bunch of footage in the can right now. Principal photography up. on that movie doesn't start until like a year later. They foregrounded the burst and shit.
1: So what do they just have her eat breakfast and like... This is my fucking <laughs> question. So maybe that's why it's... Because it doesn't really... But then she went back for reshoots. She must have because, yeah. It doesn't make any year. sense in the movie. It doesn't like... So I'm like you her role in the movie doesn't make sense. Yeah, Did she
0: shoot a bunch of stuff in 2020 that they didn't use? Possibly. And it was so unusable that they're like, in 2023, come back. We're gonna send you to the hospital. Just brought
1: her in, like how fucking How I Met Your Mother shot the ending in season two. That's what it sounded like. Like and just been like, well, just in case. And then they was like, oh, actually, COVID restrictions have lifted. You're still in good health. So now we'll shoot the real movie with you. FYI, you're gonna get stabbed in the eyes. What the fuck is that? (laughs) I don't know. But like the thing in that movie is, you can tell that David Gordon Green is like, wow, this will pull a fast one on them. Like that, you know, no one will see this coming. The devil gets a win. He said that in an interview somewhere. Like early on, it throws. No bound. one will see it coming and after being blinded she won't see it going. But here's the thing when you're watching the movie you do see it coming because you're like who's letting this 90 year old woman in a room alone with a possessed demonic child? This Bad is mood. a terrible idea. Dumb. She has like a book. Ben, let's get that on the record. I ben did, did not.
2: You
0: didn't do it? You ben didn't let him in? Ben is not responsible nope. for letting her in.
1: The other thing about that movie is it's like it's just fucking hilarious. It's fucking hilarious that that movie came out the same year as The Pope's Exorcist uh-huh. which is just like a meme on wheels I and mean, that movie is <laughs> Like more realistic than fucking Exorcist believer, but there's this moment in Exorcist believer, like more entertaining, more yeah, realistic. You're like, this actually has more to say. But Exorcist believer has this scene where, like, they're like, "All right, we need an exorcism." Catholic priest, will you do it? And he's yeah. like, "Nah, we don't do those anymore. We get in too much trouble. Like, sure. I'm not gonna do it." So instead, they have to get this like motley crew of exorcists. Right. There's to the, do the it. Avengers of faith, right? Yeah, basically. Sure, it's the Avengers West Coast at best, I would say. But okay. Uh yeah, and then uh, as there's this.
0: <laughs> they find the flat man of rabbis. Exactly. Well, that's the Great Lakes Avengers. Uh, oh, good call.
1: Um, they bring in, and then the, there's a big twist where the priest rushes in in the middle of the exorcism, being like, "I will help. I feel so guilty about this." And Incredible they just, like, twist. Like twist his neck around in one second. Oh, and a, him out of a the true house. twist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, terrible movie. Look, I just want to tell you how did Bill Conti get this gig, Griff? How. Elliot Castor yelled at him. That's right. He was like, Come on, just do it. And it then seems he cried. like there's the answer
0: with everything. I just like that the Elliot Castor's producing style sounds like McGruber.
2: Where he's like, please, please, I need this.
0: Like he goes in and tries to like tough guy hardball them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then he becomes so pathetic that, scene that they're is so like,
0: funny. So funny.
1: Uh, Conti, it's one of the only, uh, he'd been working with orchestras. This is an electronic moment and a guitar okay. moment. Ted okay. Nugent oh. plays the guitar on the score.
0: Ted Nugent has songwriting credits for four tracks on this movie. The, in the end credits, I noticed. So does not sing them, but all the songs in the
1: film were co-written by Ted Nugent. Apparently in, and, and in this and in, in this movie is going to Broadway, to be clear. Of course. Nomads coming to Broadway in 2024. Is that why the van, they're doing that? The experience. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, there were synthesizers. There's Ted. There's John McTiernan. There's an engineer. There's Bill Conti. Okay. There wasn't a score. Like, he didn't write something down. Okay. He just kind of... They just kind of went in there with Ted and kind of jammed, and that's how the score happened. Kind of sounds like that. Uh, yeah. I, Ted Nugent is one of those guys where I'm like... Who the fuck is he? I know he's a famous guitarist. Uh-huh. I know he was in like Damn Yankees. He was in these super groups, but he's not like like who, who nobody fucking likes Ted Nugent, right? It's not like, like, let me fire up a bunch of Ted Nugent I do not know, though. I think people yeah, I do. I know that now he's like a right wing I was going to say, but you even, know, even before that,
0: he did have the status of like, I like his attitude. He's got like cat scratch fever, right? He's That's got, like yeah. his and big record. And he has like
1: Wango Tango. Or <laughs> right. Wang Dang Sweet Poon Tango. I mean, it's the minute you start hearing this shit, you're like, I'm out. I'm fully out. Yeah, but I think a lot of people are like, <laughs> I'm in. <Yeah. laughs> I want in. more. <laughs> Couldn't be more in. McTiernan said that Conti is very smart, knew exactly what he wanted. Okay, he's not a musician. He's not being like, give me a B flat, but like he would just hear something and be like, yes, no, Uh yes, no, sure. Sure. That's what directors do. Yeah, Uh, film came out March nineteen eighty six. Grossed two million against a budget of one million. Was not greeted with a warm reception. By anyone other than Arnold Schwarzenegger. uh, Right. Um, Walter Goodman of the Times calls it murky. Uh says there's no real explanation why anyone should bother. Uh, maybe try John McTiernan if you want to know what is going on in this movie. Wow. Uh Kevin Thomas in the LA Times says it does have style. Mm-hmm. Brings to mind body double. Uh, but alongside it, the Brian De Palma thriller seems as substantial as Shakespeare. So fucking shots fired a body double, you know, in the killing of nomads. Mm-hmm. He's like shooting through body double to kill nomads. That's rude. McTiernan says, I was happy to the, with the film to a point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, as we'll see in the next dossier, there was at least one famous fan of the film. Ooh, a little tease from J.J. there. His, uh, yes. His, his Arnold Schwarzenegger is the answer. J.J., you're fired. <laughs> hey, come on. I'm <laughs> joking. You're not fired. To be fair, J.J. did write 10 pages on this one. Uh, amazed he got Astounding. 10. What font? 72! <laughs> <72. laughs> Single spaced like he a not, is for apple.
0: <laughs> I want to make it clear he did not flub this. Uh, his fart his way through this assignment. The the McTiernan quote is that like uh, a, a Kubrick once said, getting fifty percent of what you set out to get is doing very well. And then McTiernan says, when you first start in films, if you get ten percent of what you had in mind, you, you're doing well. Should we play the box office game? So you know, to McTiernan, this is ten
1: percent of what he intended. Here's to Here's some cool news, Griff. What? Disney is going to release Soul, Luca this. and Turning Red in theaters uh this year. This, well, yes, the staggering them, giving them semi-wide January, releases January, February, February March. March. I that's like the idea. That's a fun that. idea. Yeah. And then it, Inside Out 2 comes out in June. What you and I were talking I'll go see about. see Turning Red? Yeah. Maybe I'll take yeah, it's kind of not the movie to take my daughter to. Mm, maybe. Maybe. Maybe I don't think she'd care. I
0: saw that's the only one I got to see in theaters cuz they did a tiny did little one unpublicized AMC maybe 25. Soul. Yeah. Soul's fun. It's got a cat. Globs. The cat's
1: in it for. Oh, well, the, no, no, the, the cat. real cat. Yeah. I've met a about the Soul cat. Um, yeah, and that's Soul is a movie where I'm like, I saw that in December 2020. Correct. I don't remember it very well. And I haven't thought about it much. I, since. I
0: would very that much listen to the score sometimes. The score is great.
1: Uh, I I would very much uh, I'm I'm looking forward to
0: seeing both those films in theaters. You and I were talking about the idea of trying to curate a film series of movies that never got to play in theaters. Yes, based on extrapolating from the Empty Man. Uh, but you could throw Mank in there. I mean, we
1: could do you could it. Throw Mank in there. Just with throw, the movies we've covered. I would throw. I'm thinking of ending things in there. Yeah, we'll see. This is if we want to do. Throw Lovers Rock in there. The five uh,
0: movie finally played like one day at the Paris Film City, and I missed it.
1: Uh, what are some you know? I saw Palm Springs in a theater, but that might be fun to get into theaters. Did. I mean, even just from our canon, Empty Man, Old Guard, Mank, yeah,
0: Tenant did get a release, but a lot of people didn't yeah, get to see nice it that State way. Tenant. Yeah.
1: yeah, uh, a
0: real run would did be we cool. See that? We saw it, in,
1: yeah, we did. but it was just the three of us. We it was, yeah, and,
0: and your girlfriend. Oh, right, yeah, uh, and we went in New Jersey the last day before they pulled it off of screens.
1: Right, I had already seen it. I had done yeah. that. I went to Connecticut to see it the first time. Okay, well, with Stefanski. Okay, well, and
0: Ehrlich. Okay, I think that sounds great. Right. Yeah, David. Yes, uh, I co-host a podcast. I don't know if you are aware of Blank those. Check
1: Griffin, David. Uh, you actually, you you are the other host on. Yeah, don't know what to say or to
0: expect. Uh, all you need to know is the name of the show is Blank Check. Um, People think it must be real cushy being a podcast host. Sure. Get to watch movies and talk about them. Oh, what a nice existence you got. But? They're not considering how much I worry. About? Everything. Well, you do. Are my takes hot enough? Are they too hot? Uh Uh-huh. Am I entering the discourse? Am I leaving out? I forget to mention some important piece of context. And? Did I not consider that? one movie I dislike was another person's favorite movie, and that was rude of them to hear me say that. And? One thing I never have to worry about when I host is whether my guests will find their sleeping accommodations up to scratch. Oh, interesting. Why? Well, I'm realizing now that this copy is about hosting people at your home. Uh Uh-huh. Like hosting guests.
1: Something you never do.
0: Right, and I just read this as if they were obviously asking me to talk about being a host of a podcast. I'm just uh, realizing this in real time. And we're not taking this over. This is the ad,
1: hundred percent. Right? Uh, you're talking about Burroughs' new shift sleeper sofa. Exactly. Uh, it's one of those things everyone should have in their home. Mm-hmm. It's a comfortable everyday sofa mm-hmm. that easily converts into a queen-size sleep surface. That's a nice surface. Genuine queen size. Mm-hmm. Not a full. Full queen-size sleep surface that sleeps two people very comfortably. I've got a burrow. Oh, you do? I do. I don't have the sleeper sofa, although I am very intrigued. Uh-huh. I ha- do have the Nomad sofa plus the sleep kit, uh, which is another like sleep thing that they offer, sure. which is really good. Uh, the best thing about burrow, I live in New York City. It's hard to get couches David, uh, through doors mm-hmm. and upstairs and so yep. on and so forth. The burrow breaks down very easily and then
0: you assemble it in your house, it's easy to get in. It's easy to get out. I had a burrow at my old apartment. Yeah, I miss it actually. Go get it. Well, maybe. But I'll tell you. Here's another thing I like. I know this isn't the one they specifically uh, bought a couple garbage bags. Get on the sixth.
1: You could. You could bring it over <laughs> one piece at a time. You could. It's easy to assemble. It's easy to disassemble. I, I recently moved, and I said to like the movers, like I hey, said, so this couch comes apart. And he's like, oh. Believe me, I'm very familiar with burrows. They are great for movers. You want movers to like you? Yes. Buy some burrows. Yeah. Here's the other thing. You hear
0: that, you go, oh, this is going to look like it's made out of Playmobil or something. Right, right. right?
1: Oh, it must be junky. No.
0: It must be junky. No. no, you could fool anyone. You could. Anyone you could but yourself. a mover. The thing I was going to say, my burrow, I, I had at my old apartment, a feature I really like, even though they didn't put this in the copy. Yeah. They put like a charging cable. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's like USB ports in between the cushions. yeah.
1: It's pretty clever. So that
0: you can plug your couch into they the wall. They got a lot of stuff
1: like that. And you know. can
0: charge devices while sitting on the couch without having to reach over to the outlet. You know what I'm saying, Ben? They're all about
1: the thoughtful details. It's good company. And this this shift sleeper sofa, when it's, when it's unfolded, mm-hmm. it's got layers of cooling memory foam. It's got comfort foam. It's got core right. foam. You got a nice night of sleep for any guest. Uh, it's so easy to get into your home. It's got a painless online shopping experience, free shipping to your door, and, of course, easy to set up, as we said, assembled without tools Uh, inboxes you can move yourself
0: now I want to restate I myself as a podcast host I'm constantly uncomfortable both physically and mentally yeah but this ad is about making sure you are creating comfortable circumstances for guests who may stay with you sure right that's what they meant not podcast guests no
1: but you do have a lot of anxieties about your hosting
0: I do I I don't do it that's why uh, check out Burrow's new Shift I meant Sleeper. home hosting, not the podcast hosting. It's just clarified. Check on.
1: out Burrow's new Shift Sleeper sofa and all their incredible furniture at burrow.com slash check and get 15% off your Burrow order when you do. That's burrow.com slash check for 15% off your Burrow purchase, burrow.com slash check.
0: I obviously do podcast hosting, even though I do have worries about it. Okay there, buddy.
1: Okay. Box office game, May, March 1986, Griffin. Okay, March 1986. And this is a box office game we may do again one day on Patreon if Ben has his way. Okay. Because Highlander's opening well, number seven. going to be my guess. Hey. Uh, and it's also one we'll do again on Patreon if we have our way because Care Bears movie to a new generation is opening at number 24. Which I remember liking more than the original. Well, I've seen neither because I don't care for care They diversify. They have different types of animals. Sounds stupid. Number one at the it's box good. office. It's good. It's sensitive and well thought out. Nomad opening number 12 to $1 million. Okay. But hey, fucking casters probably like, budget made. Yes. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Number one at the box office is a teen comedy. Braveheart the lion. I was wrong. And
0: Nobleheart the horse.
1: Yeah, that's a, a sure. I was
0: trying to remember. A
1: teen comedy from a uh, major auteur of teen comedies. It's although Hughes? He yes, he didn't direct it. He didn't direct it. Is no. it Pretty in Pink? Pretty in Pink. Yeah. Who directed it? Uh, Howie Deutsch. Howie Deutsch, of Howie course. Howie Deutsch. Who also directed Some Kind of Wonderful. That's another Hughes script. Uh, Great Outdoors. That's another Hughes script. And Getting Even With Dad is, a, is not a Hughes script? What's the Hughes script that we always forget about? It's not Getting Even With Dad. Dutch. Is Dutch, the film Dutch?
0: He wrote Dutch. Okay. The Ed O'Neill, Ethan Embry film Dutch. Sure. Cool. he Curly Sue's last movie he directed, Baby's Day Out. Maybe Baby's Day Out is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Of.
1: That was the joke at the time, was that John... He had the... What's his um, pseudonym? Edmond Dantes right. on Beethoven. Right. Yes. The the And, and made and, him in Manhattan. Made him in Manhattan. And 101 Dalmatians? 101 Dalmatians is credited to Was it Dantes? To oh, as oh, No, oh, as his flubber. Okay. Home alone three, yeah, reach
0: the rock. No idea what that, don't know what that is um the joke that many critics got a lot of mileage off of at the time was John Hughes's protagonists are aging down so much. he'll be the first guy to write a comedy about sperm
2: because babys day out. Is well, it went from
0: teenagers yeah, to yeah, home alone yeah. to, baby's to baby's day out twenty million critics made that joke, and they all had to spit split. split Pulitzer Prize that year. They did. They all right. had they, to split it. Was it was a
1: 20 million way tie. That one joke. Did they, they saw it into pieces or did they yeah. share one? They, and mail they, it they got like a cheese grater.
2: Uh huh.
1: And they gave everyone some sprinkles. Now, Pretty in Pink mm-hmm. is, I would say, a great movie um, because Ringwald's so good in it. It is a movie that is sold by its performances being so good across the board. It's obviously completely notorious as a movie where. Nobody thinks she should end up with fucking, what's his, plain. Yeah. But she does. Everyone thinks she should end up with Ducky. But you know why? What do you mean, do they I? They shot the ending.
0: Right. Where and she like, ends up with Ducky. Right. And the audience response is, well, this feels weirdly classist that she's right. sent back, that she's not allowed to exist in the space of the popular rich kids. And they revolted so much that they reshot the ending
1: where Andy Ducky's McCarthy. right. And Ducky's like, hey, it's cool. And Ducky, there's like a girl who smiles at Ducky. And Correct. Like, Ducky's going to be fine.
0: Yeah. No, I think that script is kind of bullshit. Yeah. And Ringwald, Crier, uh, Spader. Spader. Uh, Stanton. Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton. Just fucking knockout. Knockout uh, knock performances. McCarthy is the weakest link in it.
1: But yeah, five yeah, he's, incredible he's so performances in the script but that does not Much like how works. What's His Pants in Sixteen Candles is no good. Like Ringwald's amazing in that. Oh, yes. And like uh, fucking mm-hmm. Anthony Michael Hall is great, but right. like the, the stud is totally the boring stud's in nothing. that movie. Yeah. Uh, where um, are you on Hughes on those movies? Because those movies, when I watched them, were like fossils to me. Yeah. Like, uh, I didn't dislike them, see, but I was like, this is not about my like experience See, I theory. reverse engineered my personality around them. <laughs> I was like, so they could not have spoken to
0: me more. Yes.
1: I felt the same way, David. It felt a little um, foreign to me. Like in Breakfast Club, when Allie Sheeney has to transform, I'm like, she's babe. Like, and I'm not saying that out of some, everyone thinks that. I mean, that's right. But like, I'm like, I'm from the nineties. Her type in the movie is a babe. Like we all love the weird emo girl now. And in the 80s, it's not. You know, everybody gets, it's the most trite observation about John Hughes. This is why we can't do him because every movie about... We him could... The bracket, put him, sure, on the put him on a bracket.
0: You've kicked him off the bracket a couple times. Maybe yeah, we put him on I'm always
1: one. just like, everyone said everything there is to say about this fucking movie. But he has made uh, a movie I'm quite fond of, which, which is, is Uncle Buck. Yes. 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 Well, well and if we ever do that, Jolly has candy. to come on.
0: Molly, your best friend? Yes. Is that her favorite, favorite movie? movie? like her favorite movie. Really? Oh, yes.
1: Okay. And she's always been like, once in a while, she'll text me and be like, you guys did a Clifford episode. And I'm like, yeah, Molly. Yeah, we did it years ago. And then we did another one. And she'll be like, I love Clifford. And I'm like, I know you love Clifford, Molly. I lived with you for seven years. And then she's like, are you ever going to do an Uncle Buck episode? And I'm always like, we'll let you know. I mean, She's kind of like That's the other one Those are the two She's loomed quite large On this show She's Molly? come up so many times Has she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she has she has about about She's very important to me That's
0: Rand former roommate uh, uh, ben.
1: I say What? If it ever works Yeah I would love to do an episode of Uncle Buck With Molly With Molly Auerbach Yeah, yeah. Molly's choice Yeah
0: Sure the Ben Cosign Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ben, you pitched doing uh, like a John Candy collection on Patreon, but I argued a lot of Candy's big works are Hughes.
1: Right. Yeah, but we could call it like the mixed bag of candy. Number two at the box office is a horror film. Ben's
0: eyes lit up. His mouth went (laughs) into the widest grin I've ever seen as if we pumped a full of
1: Smilex. (laughs) Number two is a horror film. Yeah. It's the start of a franchise. Okay, I've never seen these films. There's, I think, four of them. Eighty six. Is it House? It's House. Ding dong, you're dead. Uh, yeah. You are cordially invited to spending the evening with uh, Roger Cobb and friends. Don't come alone. House horror has found a new home. I've never seen them before, which I, means I will probably get a text from Brendan
0: Hines yelling at me. Right, Brendan. Let's watch them two what? months from now. Uh,
1: incredible posters. That's the thing. To me, those movies are iconically in the where are at, at the video store Correct. and I would look at them every time I went to the video store because I would just go to the video store and look at all the of videos, course. right? Of course. You just pull them down, especially the scary ones and yeah. be like, what is this? Yeah. And House gives you nothing. Severed hands. just a severed hand a doorbell, doorbell and the tagline is ding dong you're dead. The movie's called House. You have no idea what it's about. No. The sequel has the best sequel title ever been. House 2, the second story. Do Edit. you get it? <sighs> so I do. one day, maybe I'll watch The Houses. Anyway, it's number two at the box office. Put it part. on the brag. Sure. It's made $11 million on the way to 19. Okay. Number three at the box office mm. is a comedy uh-huh. based on a French movie.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, one of Based on one of the great French movies, one of the great French films from one of its great directors. It's based on one of the great French films from one of its great directors. But it is like a sort of big, brassy comedy. It's not... Um, uh, is I'm it not Down sure. and Out in Beverly Hills? Paul Mazursky's Down and Out in Beverly Hills, Remake which is, of course... Of from Drowning. Jean Renoir's Save from Drowning. Yes. Uh, which is basically like a suicidal homeless man appears in the life of like a rich family and crazy shit starts happening. That's the French movie. Now,
0: who do you think you would cast in the 80s broad studio comedy version of that same story?
1: I don't know. Tell me. He saved me from drowning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was
2: drowning. Richard Dreyfus
1: and Betty Davis, of course. Bette Midler. What am I talking about? Betty Davis? Yeah, Bette Midler and Dreyfus. Yeah. Uh, Midler and Dreyfus, and of course, famously, little Richard plays their neighbor. Cool.
2: That's cool.
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, sings a song. Ask for sugar. Uh, that's uh, a Mazursky. It's a Mazursky film. It's a Mizerski. Number four at the box office. It's a major film of the year that makes a hundred million dollars. Uh, It's a big drama. It's nominated for Best Picture. It's nominated. It doesn't win Best Picture. No. In fact, it doesn't win a single Oscar. Rude. Is it The Color Purple? It's The Color Purple. I was going to tell you it also came out last year again as a musical, sure. but that's an obvious clue. But it was
0: famously, uh, for a long time, it had the record for the most
1: noms with no win. Because I think it got nine uh-huh. Oscar noms. Yes. No, eleven goose egg. Something finally
0: beat it with zero wins.
1: Yeah, and more noms. It tied with the turning point. Those were the two that had sure. eleven. Their Mao maybe one with twelve that didn't win. Yeah, might be like Irishman. There's it like be. rude shit like that. The last couple of years have been... Because to rack that up, you need to get a bunch of tech nods and like three to four acting nods. Yes. Like you need to like... And Color Purple has three acting nominations.
0: But last year was that weird... Well, now it'll be two years ago. But the 2023 Academy Awards ceremony had that weird thing where like three or four of the most nominated films got zero wins. Well,
1: because yeah, everything... everywhere all No, I'm... Oh, you mean everything, right.
0: That year, there was like a monopoly on awards.
1: Look... Uh, number five at the box office is a great comedy from a you know a fraught figure in the world of comic filmmaking.
0: But you think this is a great one? Yeah, obviously this For, is
1: like one of his best.
0: 19, movies. is it Hannah and Her sister Yeah, it's one Woody of his best Allen. movies. Yeah,
1: it's probably his best movie. I think, kind it is. of. I, I don't know. It or it's kind of like the quintessential Woody Allen movie. In a way. You've also got and a huge. Well, actually, you know what? I was about to say huge hit, but like. It's like a mid-sized hit, but it, for him, it was a big hit. It was his biggest hit ever. Yeah, because it made like $40 million.
0: Until Midnight in Paris, that was the highest grossing film of his.
1: Uh, you've also got Wildcats. Oh, sure. Uh, the football movie with Goldie Hawn. Which is quietly... Uh, becoming a, te- a, a team coach, a football team coach. Quietly the first Woody and Wesley movie. Yes, Do you know Woody that? and Wesley are both in it. Yes. But in That's small when they roles.
0: Meet. If you want to complete the Woody Wesley trilogy.
1: You got Highlander. Got Sally Field in Murphy's Romance with um, James Garner. Uh, James Jim Garner. Garner.
0: Yeah. Baby. That's a movie I feel like I probably would love.
1: Yeah, Sally Field. She's a fucking If babe. I put that on, I'd Babitron. be just screaming about it for two weeks. Do you know how good Murphy's uh, Romance Number nine, you have, oh, Ben, if you're ever looking at this. didn't know how sleep, good we have. Out of Africa, throw it on. David hates it. Uh, very boring. Uh, number 10, of course, my favorite movie, the film FX, about FX, VFX yes. in crime. Yes. What if this crime happened with visual effects? Finally, the two biggest stars united. Brown and Dennehy. Brian Brown and Brian Dennehy. The Bryans. And of course, the sequel was called FX2, The Deadly Art of Illusion, which is an incredible Incredible subtitle. I've
0: said this before, but that the editing uh, department uh, at my, my college, the college I briefly attended, CalArch, had only the FX2 poster framed on the wall and it wasn't, like, signed by an alumni who had gone there, it was not clear why that was the one poster they had.
1: Um, That's kind of cool, though. Yeah. Good poster. Um, Number 11 is the fourth weekend of the Chuck Norris Lee-Marvin film, The Delta Force. Oh, sure. Nomad's opening below that. Mm. John, we're sorry we beat up on this movie. I don't know that we're really going to beat up on any... Well, maybe a certain movie about a rolling ball. (laughs) But it's certainly going to be I think it's going to be a good run for you for a minute here. We're going to we're going to love the next 3. Has he made another film this boring is the question. The, the, well and there's only one answer. There's only one man who knows, the medicine man. The medicine. No man. one knows if that movie's boring or not cuz no. no one's ever seen it. No. That that was an example of an episode where we we had to do some digging. That was a like You know, fucking, you know, Bueller, Bueller, like, (laughs) you know, like when we were like, anyone seen Medicine Man want a guest on this episode? (laughs) Does someone
0: want assigned homework was how it settled, but I think it'll be a fun episode. Uh, Listen, I'm very excited to be doing McTiernan. The rest of these episodes are going to be fucking corkers. The man has made five of the most watchable movies in history, arguably, and his bounces are big and wild and wooly by Mm -hmm. and large. And then we'll figure out whatever Medicine Man is.
1: Goodbye. We have to watch The Love Guru in a few minutes, so we're, we're going to watch Sign Love Guru off but I wanna, today. I want to say this is just executive decision, and we haven't talked
0: about this in advance. But I just need to say this, David. We need to get this on air. JJ will text us random things at odd hours of the night as he's doing his research, and he does his research. He starts it far in advance of when we record these episodes, so we'll be getting McTiernan texts when we're doing Fincher episodes, right? Sure, And some of these thoughts, you're just like, J.J., I can't respond to this right now. This is not where my head's at. I'll catch up to you when we get to the dossier in a couple months, right? J.J. has pinned in this dossier the fact that we never responded to his text where he found on AbeBooks books, often an academic resource for, for people who need to find
1: rare out-of-print books. I did say this earlier in the episode.
0: You did? Yes. I
1: did. $1,100, right? For the entire...
0: $1,236.18, yeah. $26.53 shipping. I said it very briefly. I said okay. it like as an aside. And JJ has been pushing us to make it a Patreon tier. And I'm going to say, having watched Nomads, that I feel no desire to spend $1,200 finding out more about how this movie right, was on, made. Right, on like
1: the collected information of Nomads.
0: Executive decision, we do not need all of the paperwork what? from the development of Nomads. If someone paid us... $1,200 to, to receive read it? it to receive it to receive it yes to read it no <laughs> time is money time is money I would receive it though if someone wants to pay me $1,200 to have it sent to me yeah I will accept that package right
1: right and that's
0: the settlement of the issue it's done it's over
1: Ben uh, any final thoughts I like in the movie when the character goes home and she looks at her fridge and it's empty because mm. you can tell a lot about a character based on what their fridge is like.
0: Right, and if their fridge is empty, you can tell that they didn't maybe finish writing the character. <laughs> um, but do you think you're going to sleep well tonight or poorly? Like, do you think <sighs> you've now sort of unlocked the sleep and it'll come more easily tonight? Or do you think the the sleep pattern that we disrupted by doing our episode two hours <laughs> After originally scheduled is going to throw you off and getting to sleep tonight.
1: Unfortunately, usually sometime around 10 o'clock is when the sort of ghouls come out, if you will. The nomads. The nomads. The van pulls up. Yeah. And sort of similarly, it's just these annoying thoughts that don't seem to want to go away. Sure. No, I know it well. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see, though. Maybe I'll just Tucker myself out and I'll run down the street screaming. Oh, I thought you were going to say, watch uh, Tucker <laughs> oh. until he gently watch soothes
0: you to sleep.
1: Smuckers, the movie about the guy who invented the jam.
0: Smuckers, the man is, <laughs> his jam. in his jam.
1: I hope so, though. I'd like to sleep normally again. Yeah. What would you do if Coppola was like, look, I know $100 I said, million
0: dollar budget. I know I said Megalopolis was it, and I was going all in, and it's my final statement. <laughs> But there's the one other story that has wrestled inside me for so long. Daniels and I got to
1: talking. Smuckers, a man in his jam. He wants to play J.M. Smuckers. He wants to know how the jam gets made. Honestly, J.M. Smuckers kind of looks like fucking Jeff Daniels. Daniels could play this guy in oh, a He, jealous he looks a hell, lot yeah. like Jeff Daniels. <laughs> The thing just I like, imagine if he's like, what if we squashed the fruit? You know, like, how, how, does it, how does that movie look like? I got the feedback. We all like raspberries, but we ought to eat a lot of them at once. apricots?
0: <laughs> I got the feedback from audiences that they didn't want to see a film about a man who failed in the auto industry. So I'm now going to make a movie about a man who experiences no conflict and just makes a successful jam, and it lasts forever and creates generational wealth. Smuckers, so a man and his jam. Thank you all for listening. This has been the first episode of Pod Hard with Avenge Cast, which I think will be a very fun
1: couple of months. David, do you agree? I think it is. Yeah, it's going to be great. This was the episode where we were hoping there'd be a gem to discover, and instead we fucking did some smuckers. We, material. Just,
0: <laughs> we snuck smuckers in there at the last second, so no one can say it was an entirely valueless episode. Uh, make some smuckers posters. I don't know. Uh get on get on Photoshop and, and do that and post them to whatever social platform still exists by the time this episode comes out. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty, our associate producer on the show. Thank you to JJ Birch for sending us links to documents that are expensive, that we will never purchase, but also doing our research. Thank you to uh Alex Perrin, AJ McKinnon for uh, editing. Lee Montgomery, The Great American All for our theme song. Joe Bowen and Pat Reynolds for our artwork. You can go to BlankCheckPod.com for links to some real nerdy shit, including our Patreon, Blank Check Special Features, where we do commentaries on film series. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. We're doing the Terminator movies. Yep. That's what we're doing. Yep. It's dude-heavy time for Blank Check. Arnie-heavy. Arnie-heavy. Um... Tune in for that. We'll be doing Die Hard 2 over there as well. Yeah, we will. I feel like that's a question people have. What about Die Hard 2? That's where we're doing it over there. Five bucks. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 Enough! Enough! And as always,
2: when you're gone, how can I even try to move on?
1: Can anyone write a novelization? I mean, what do you mean? You need the rights. What do you mean? You need the rights. Okay, that's true.
0: What? Like, anyone could write it. You couldn't publish it without having... That's true.
1: Why do you ask? Do you have... Yeah, yeah. why do you ask? Just, you know... Is there a fire in your belly? I don't know. Maybe someone needs to tell us the story of uh, Doom. Doom? Yeah. What do you mean by Doom? The movie with the rock in it? You it's want... based on a video game? You want to write a book... Of the movie
0: Doom based off the video game. Correct. Okay, let me see if that's been... Ben, I regret to inform you that a Doom film novelization was released by Pocket Star Books in 2005
2: adapted by John Shirley. Fuck. Damn it, John. Fuck!